is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, go time on Winnipeg Sports Talk for a Friday afternoon heading into the weekend, heading into Super Bowl weekend. Welcome to the program, Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus, Connor Rabchak's going to jump on. We've got a pack-packed show. I am actually have a flight later on this afternoon, so uh, I'll start it off. And then uh, the boys will take you to uh, the marble race at the end of the program. Ken Weeb's going to jump on, Hacksaw, Brandon Rowicki, and more to discuss the uh, the downward turn in the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets. And as ugly a 20 minutes of hockey as we've seen all season long last night in Philly as part of that 4-1 loss to the Flyers as the Jets extend their losing streak to five games with four regulation losses and one overtime loss, one point to show for their last five games. And uh, the callers I know in the chat, I think are getting a little tighter. And yes, there is some angst growing amongst Winnipeg Jet fans with the recent downturn of the club's fortunes. We're going to get to it right away. We'll hear some post-game reaction from Rick Bonus. And a very interesting post-game reaction from Flyers head coach John Tortorella as well. Um, just uh, quickly want to welcome everyone in to the program. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. And welcome to all new Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. Hit that subscribe button. We're here every day, 1 p.m. Monday to Friday, uh, live for a couple hours. And of course, you can find Winnipeg Sports Talk on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe for the audio feed in your inbox around 3.30 every afternoon, just in time for your drive home from work. Just before we bring in Reem, uh, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at CoolBet just finished our Super Bowl spectacular in the lock shop, so you can check that out over at the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. Remus and Connor will get to the, uh, the uh, CoolBet lines later on today. I'll give you a few of my best bets before I uh, take off once Connor gets in and we talk a little Super Bowl. Uh, But, of course, our friends at Princess Auto as well. Big week for the Bombers. CFL free agency next week. Be sure to be staying tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk for the latest on the blue and gold. And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza, uh, Sport Manitoba, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, big game tomorrow night. Well, we're going to get into that right away. Modern Man Barbershop, Manitoba Battery, and our friends at Canadian Club. I'm not sure. Uh, I did not get a note whether those last four tickets that opened up yesterday for uh, the whiskey tasting and Jets watch night with the Winnipeg uh, Whiskey Festival and Winnipeg Sports Talk are gone. But if you would like to join us, check out to see if uh, the last four tickets are gone yet. Link in the description here or go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on whiskey. That's on February the 29th. Uh, We're going to be trying some and learning about some amazing whiskeys and watching the game on a big screen in an incredible venue, the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. So uh, we sold out. We got four extra tickets. Jump on it if they haven't gone already, and we'd love to see you there. All right, let's get Remus in here. Welcome to everybody in chat. And, uh, Remo, is the uh, is the panic button back? Okay, I'm looking at the calendar right now. It says 2024. Is that correct, or did we go back in time to 2023? Because I'm feeling a lot of 
Well, the Chiefs are about to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Bell's having layoffs. Uh, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's every year, though. The Jets yeah, are in the second half slide. Is it? What year is it? What's going on right now? Um, you know, listen. I get. I get. Uh, it, you know, even if you were kind of thinking that, hey, the team played so well, it wasn't a great week going in. Shifley was out. Uh, you know, they make a trade. Everybody's back. Um, you know, you come out not great against Pittsburgh. Power play, uh, you know, the penalty kill gives up a couple on a five-minute penalty. Um, but overall, I mean, those sort of games are going to happen. Um, the start of the Jets last night was an absolute disaster. And I didn't even want to get tweeting about it. I wanted to see what happened about the rest of the game. But I, I don't think that there's any way around that that was the ugliest 20 minutes of hockey the Winnipeg Jets have played, certainly to open a game all season long. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, like the first 90 seconds or so, I mean, they had a little bit of zone time. They were running around. Um, but, I mean, Philadelphia, that first goal um, where, you know, Neil Pionk didn't do a particularly good job at all of his man. Um, but Gabriel Velarde, who has been... I mean, great when he's been, although he's been a little slow as of late offensively, um, just completely ignoring his man in front of the net and giving up one of the easiest goals an opponent will score all week long. Uh, I believe Rick Bonus referred to it as a gift, and it absolutely was. Uh, it seemed like that just set the wheels in motion um, for a period, Remus, that you know put a team that hasn't been able to score down three and all but ended their hopes before they even got to the dressing room for the first intermission. Incredibly concerning way to start the game and uh, the way they played that first 20 minutes. Yeah, especially for a team that has had a lot of comebacks this year. I mean, getting down one four minutes into a game shouldn't be a big deal, but you look at that play, what, it's a two-on-two. Sandberg does make the pinch. Velarde's there, and Pionk lets his man kind of just walk right by him, and uh, he has the lane open for passing, and Velarde lets his men go, and uh, they get an easy tap-in. And one nothing again, you think that shouldn't be such a huge mountain to climb over. This team's you know, fought back from multi-goal deficits all season, but when things aren't going well and uh, you're not scoring goals, I guess a one-goal deficit early in the game should be, I mean, maybe feels like you can't overcome it, but, I mean, for them it was early in the game, and, I, like, I don't think the one uh, first goal of the game, four minutes in, should be uh, the turning point. But they couldn't seem to get it going. And next thing you know, you're out of the first period. It's three nothing Philadelphia. You're outshot thirteen to four. And I don't want to say the game was over because they actually did a good job. But I mean, they almost got a shutout twice by Samuel Urson and the Philadelphia Flyers. I was happy <laughs> that they scored at the end, just because like, hey, get one and. And now you can say, you know, you're not able to say that Philadelphia shut them out twice. You know, one thing, and we're talking about special teams, um, you know, power play again, 0 for 3. The Philadelphia power play was 0 for 4, so that was good. Pelicill getting done, but the shorthanded goal, just when you think, okay, let's get this power play for power play, maybe you can get back in it and make it 3 1. Uh, they score that shorthanded goal in the second period there. I mean, right in, you know, right at the start of it. So. Um, thought maybe they had a chance to battle back and special teams kind of let them down again there. 
which yeah. is, uh, continues to be very disappointing. Listen, I mean, and I'm not holding this on Brassois. I mean, that one you'd like the goaltender to have, but um, yeah, you know, the guys been, in front of him just weren't. Yeah, I don't know. Did yeah. Morrissey get a piece of that? I wasn't sure. Anyways, I I, I agree. Yeah, you know? listen, I mean, this isn't on the goalie. I mean, no. a, at all. Um, it was on a team that just didn't seem to be ready to play, which is disappointing and it's concerning because for the most part this year, um, that has not been. And that looked so far from the Winnipeg Jets that we've seen um, during some of their 30 wins this year, um, which again, considering the time of year and what happened last year and what happened in 2019, I get it. Uh, fans are um, are legitimately concerned. And I'm sure Rick Bonus is concerned too. Um, you know, I think coaches... Uh, especially when you had a, um, you know, a start the way the Winnipeg Jets had, and you see a team sort of wilt going into the break, um, your hope is that they get over it while they're away and they come back. Um, that hasn't happened for the Jets yet. And um, this game tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, Saturday night game, hockey night in Canada, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins in town, is an absolutely huge game and test. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck will be there, and he, uh, you know, wasn't part of last night's game and probably thankful that he wasn't um, going to need to lead on him and, you know, just be much better in so many aspects and in a way that they have played most of this season but haven't seen a lot of it lately, you know, which makes it that much more concerning. I mean, I'll still say, and I'll put this, why not question of the day for not Autocorp but Waverly and McGilvery? Let us know in the chat. Um, and this will be on a one to ten score rating. Uh, your level of the level of concern. How close are you to hitting the panic button? And give us a uh, you know a one to one to ten score in the chat. Um, for me personally, I would say I was about a four going into last night's game. After the first period, I was six, bordering on seven. And um, so, I mean, I think it's significant, um, but certainly it's not anything that can't be turned around. But it does need to get turned around quickly. And I would suggest that this game tonight, uh, or say game tomorrow night on Saturday, is one of the biggest of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. Because if if this continues... You then have to sit on it. Everyone goes nuts in the chat for the next three days, waiting for the San Jose Sharks to come. Um, And then you're playing one of the worst teams in the league on a losing streak with so much pressure going in. You don't want to get it to that point. Um, Where are you at, Remus, on on the 1 to 10 panic scale? Uh, I was reading out some numbers in the chat here. I see three six point nine six zero nine. Spencey was six point nine. Eight, I'm sure. two point nine three point nine six seven six seven three to four eight eight eleven. So I think it's pretty wide ranging. I think I'm at like a six. I'm not all the way there. I think there's still a lot of time. I think they've shown they're a good team, but just you're just watching history repeating itself. I think so. You have that feeling and. And we mentioned last year, we mentioned 2019, we almost forgot about um, the Canadian division shortened season year too, where they had to have that press at the end uh, to get into the playoffs. Remember, they were not playing well at all going yeah. to that se- that series with Edmonton. So shout out to T-Well, uh, who bring, bring, that, bring that one up. But um, definitely a little concerned. But, you know, it's even funny. Like last year, I kept saying over and over, I'm not concerned. <laughs> Not concerned. I think it was in that San Jose game that they lost when 
seemed to have, they should have had some urgency. And I think you had a, it was one of our best shows that we did last year. So I think I'm getting there. I think there's still time. So like people saying, oh, is, is it already like a must win? Can't like must win situation on Saturday. I don't, I don't think Dan, so. Dan Milburn, uh, he, he's at seven out of 10. However, adds if the Jets don't dominate Saturday, the season is done. No, <laughs> you know what? that is. Uh, hey, I knew the flamethrowers would be out with hot takes today, and I get it. I'm not sure. Well, I will. I will disagree. The season is not done if they don't dominate on Saturday. Um, but listen, people are going to be expecting a much, much better performance. And hell, the fans will be expecting that. You know who's going to be expecting that the most is Rick Bonus, who was not pleased, but he did hold back afterwards. Um, listen, the the Velarde play. Listen, Pionk. Pionk had a night. I mean, he um, was obviously involved in that first goal and didn't look good on it. But um, the real culprit on that one um, was Velarde just completely ignoring his man and basically stopping on the play, allowing an easy tap in. Uh, but it kind of showed the sort of night it was going to be for Pionk. You know, later on in the period, um, he fights Travis Konechny, trying to, you know, presumably spark his team, get into it. Um, does okay, goes to the box, comes out, and what happens? Konechny shoots it off Pionk into the net, uh, and then it just sort of went downhill uh, downhill from there. Um, but you know, let, let's hear from Bones because, um, I mean, listen, that the first goal really set the tone, and it was a terrible tone for the game overall. I don't think the Jets really got past that. Um, here's what Bones had to say about uh, how things broke down to get the Flyers up in the game. That was a gift. Yeah. We were there. We just let him go. And, yeah, that play, uh, it wasn't that long after you made a line change. Was that related to maybe what you saw on that play or in terms of game? Just, um, just trying to get something going. Uh, if we could, yeah, that's all. Just trying to get something going. Right. The first period as a whole. Um, I think that, that put us on our heels a little bit. Then they got a couple of scrambling goals, bouncing pucks that went their way. Um, that's going to happen. The, the most important thing from that is how you respond. I thought we responded very well in the second and third periods. We dominated. Uh, we're, we're not getting that big goal at the right time. Uh, and we'll pull through this. So there's Bones. I mean, yeah, they uh, they have to pull through it. Um <laughs> Uh, you can't get more straightforward than uh, what he had to say right off the bat. Definitely couching his words, but that was a gift, um, and it certainly was. And then, listen, I'm normally someone uh, that will really lean on the positive side of things, and when you know you have a bad run or you give up a few goals and then you come back, you might not win the game, but if you play really well and you push really hard, I'll say, you know, give the team credit for that. I didn't really feel a lot of that way in the second and third period, even though the Jets were carrying the play. I thought it was more Philly just kind of knowing that they had the game won. And, um, you know, I, I didn't take <clears throat> a lot of positives out of that personally. Um, some might be different. But Bones was asked if they had such a great second and third period because the Flyers sort of sat back. 
I don't know. They, they're not a team that sits back. That's not how Torx coaches, and that's not how they play. So uh, you give our guys the credit for battling. You know, yeah, it was a tough first period, a couple of bad bounces. That's going to happen. Um, we battled back. We dominated the last 40 minutes. Uh, normally we're scoring a few more goals than we are right now. Let's go, it goes back to that. Well, and maybe that's the key. I mean, if a couple of those chances that they did create um, go in, maybe this doesn't look as bad. Um, but, you know, one late goal to prevent being shut out for the second time in as many games, um, to one goal to salvage not being shut out on the season series against Philly, all of that came together. Um, uh, but... There is a, a sense that in the past, this team has been a fragile team. And we, myself, has been saying this team looks like a completely different club this year. Uh, if you just watched the last couple games, you probably wouldn't be saying that. So Bones was asked afterwards about the state of his team right now and if they're a fragile team. Would it be fair to suggest that this group might be a little fragile right now just because things haven't well, gone as well as they have? It starts with me. We'll pull through this. Yeah. Um, listen, we're still five on five. We're still the best team in this league. Um, and right now we're not scoring goals. So uh, we're going to stay with who the Winnipeg Jets are. And we're going to keep working and we'll pull through this. Alex and Gabe had switched spots earlier, but then by the third, later in the third, you had Nick up there with Mark and Kyle. They, they get the goal and then Gabe was on that side. Did you like how that looked? And, and is that something you'd maybe carry forward? We'll talk about that over the next couple of days. I was trying to get it earlier, but the power plays were coming right. and kind of disrupting what we really wanted to get to. And, you know, it, it, when you get like we're using different guys in different lines, and then it takes a couple of rotations to get your lines back to where you wanted. So I wanted to do it earlier, but the power plays kept coming up with the, the for both teams at the different times. So we'll see what we look like that. Just one more. All right, some interesting stuff from uh, Bones on. We'll see how we look like because one thing that you would expect to happen uh, in a game like that although probably not ideal considering you're trying to mix in a new player that was just acquired in a significant trade. Um, the blender came out. You mentioned Velarde. I mean, listen, I, I don't know whether Velarde was singled out just because of how egregious that play was and uh, the lack of attention to uh, his man on the first goal, uh, but I don't think it was lost on many people that Velarde went from line one to line four and Alex Iafallo went from line four to line one. Ring. Yeah, that was certainly, I guess... Strange or maybe not strange, considering you know. The, not if you saw the first yeah, goal. <laughs> considering, uh, but but just the idea that Gabe Velarde goes from line one to line four, and like I yeah. get it, and he eventually ended up back um, at the end with Perfetti and and Monahan, but trying to send a message, trying to shake things up, and he said trying to get a spark. I don't know. We've been talking. If you wanted to get some scoring going, maybe you know, putting Nikolai Ehlers back on that top line, and they eventually went to that, but. That was not the first option there. So trying to shake some stuff up and because whatever they've been going here the last couple of games hasn't worked. Sorry, how many goals is it in the last five games during this five-game winless streak? Is it like five, four? It's, it's, uh, it's not great. It's not great. You got... it's They've been shut out three times in the last five games. Yeah, it's... Or three? Or it would have been a shutout, I guess. lost six a... of the last eight. I mean, you lost... Let's see. Lost to Boston 4-1. Shut out by Toronto. Uh, lost to Toronto 4-2. That's three goals in three games. 
And then, yeah, Pittsburgh. So four goals in five games. Yeah, four goals last time. Not going to get it done. I mean, I, I did think they had some great chances in the second and third periods and seemed a little snake pit. And that Urson, I mean, had another hell of a game. But, I mean, tell me you haven't heard me say that before over the course of, uh, you know, this last couple weeks or three weeks, I guess, including the break. Um, you got to make more. And, you know, I mean, we were talking about that one, the two-on-one with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, and KFC decided to do like a background spin pass across that got brocked up. I mean, at a certain point, bury one. Um, it, it didn't happen last night. Now, there was a lot of talk about what the Jets did in the second and third periods. And, you know, we mentioned Rick, and I think sort of not wanting to completely air out his players as he has done in the past at times. Uh, he's not there yet. Um, let's hear what John Tortorella had to say uh, about the game last night and about the second and third period. And uh, we'll be able to give you Torts' entire post-game press conference in one clip because uh, let's just say it was relatively brief. Here's what Torts had to say about his team's three-goal home win last night. The first period, what did you see in the second and third Nothing. How do you, I guess, evaluate the game? Obviously, you guys have the great first. You take control, but do you come away more? I won the game. Than, we uh, won the game. We got two points. That's how I evaluate it. Putting Ryan Paling and, and Noah out there for the 5 on 3, was that a reward, or was that you just like the way they were playing tonight? Like the way they were playing, I thought they deserved to be on the ice. Travis Konecki thought Erickson was probably your most important player. Would you feel the same way? Yes. What would you like about Travis in the first? Travis who? Connecting. Cordy Howe, I feel like. Yeah, I guess so. Do you sense when he plays like that, when he's going like that? I who? Connecting. When Connecting's going the way he was in the first period, do you see it lift up other guys? Can the other guys build off, you know, the momentum, the energy that he brings? I don't know. I don't know. Did you not like Travis's game? Is that why you like that? I don't know. All right, thanks, Torts. That was uh, that was uh, an interesting one. Um, hey, uh, you know, he obviously didn't like the way his team played in the second and third periods, uh, but happy he got the two points and um, maybe easier to kind of be like that and try to prove a point to a team that just, you know, dominated a team in one period and then maybe coasted a little bit. Um, but for Rick Bonus, a very different, uh, a different tact, if you will, um, saying it was on him, not really talking too much about any particular players or whatnot, but by his actions, you know, with mixing up the lines, the Velarde moved to line four, showing that he, uh, he certainly was not particularly pleased or impressed with, uh, with what his team, uh, his team did, you know, we're, uh, we're going to quickly hit a little bit of Super Bowl, uh, but we'll get to Jets first with Connor Rabchak. Um, and then Michael's going to be talking with uh, Rewicki and Ken Weeb coming up on the program. But uh, just before we do that, a, a quick thanks to uh, some of our Winnipeg Sports Talk sponsors. Hey, gang, if you want to clean it up a little bit and get looking good, uh, you got to head over to our friends at Modern Man Barber Shops with eight locations conveniently located throughout Winnipeg including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. 
and follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery as well. Donnie and the gang getting set to open up later this month their second Winnipeg location on Dover Court over in the south side of Manitoba, which means folks in the south end will have an even easier time popping by Manitoba Battery. But as we've been telling you on Winnipeg Sports Talk, you really don't need to leave your home because not only will you shop local and get the lowest prices in town, bottom line, beating the pants off the big box stores, Manitoba Battery will deliver your batteries to you anywhere inside the perimeter for free with any purchase over $60. It's just that easy. Stay tuned for grand opening details and sales specials. But in the meantime, for all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 204-783-8787. We are, of course, counting down the days to February 29th when we're looking forward to teaming up with our great friends and sponsors at Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival to uh, take over the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame for the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass event. And, of course, watch the Jets take on the Dallas Stars. Uh, the event is sold out thanks to everyone that uh, is going to come and see us. We can't wait to see you that night as well. In the meantime, for more uh, information on the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, check it out online. And when you're at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, make sure to check out the Canadian Club display for all of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And remember, always enjoy responsibly. And uh, hey, I should also give a shout out to uh, the gang down at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. You know, they're getting ready for a big, big summer of 2024. If you are looking for an incredible fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot featuring world-class fishing. And as great as the fishing is, the hospitality of the Turen family and the Aikens team is even better. Find out more about availability and booking for 2024 at AikensLake.com. Be sure to check them out online on X and Instagram at Aikens Lake. All right, let's uh, let's get to both Jets and a little Super Bowl before I have to jet. Remus is here and... Uh, the third member of the WST team, Connor Rabchak, joins us. Connor, what's going on? How are you? Feeling great, Huss. Thanks for having me back on the big show. Friday before the Super Bowl. I've been sleeping great all week, despite what you were saying Shocking. on Monday. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen, we'll get to the Super Bowl in a minute. Um, but let me ask you right off the bat what I asked everybody in chat a few minutes ago. Um, one to ten, where is your level of concern right now? considering what uh, what we saw last night in Philly and um, really the better part of the last three weeks on either end of the player break. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Remus on this one. I think I'm about at a six. Um, if they lose to Pittsburgh, that number will go up, and then they play we- uh, Wednesday night against the Sharks at home. That would be a full 10 hit the panic button if they end up losing that game. Um, but as for right now, six... First period was awful last night. The rest of the game, not too bad. How much of that is score effects? Obviously, we saw just now Tortorella wasn't happy with the way his team played uh, in the rest of that game. So I'm with I'm with Remus. I'm with you guys, kind of six, seven range. Uh, and then Saturday, like, I don't even think they need to really, like, it's not a must win. Uh, they need to play well. They need to get back to their five-on-five game. A power play goal would be nice. Connor Hellbuck might steal one. Um, but I'm not 
at like 10 or anything yet. But if they lose to San Jose on Wednesday, then it's full, full on panic mode. You know, um, the, uh, it, listen, this team's going to lose games and teams lose, you know, over the course of the year and the Jets set the bar pretty darn high. But it was the way that that first period fell apart on the team that I think was so concerning. And, and listen, I mean, there was a number of players that didn't have their finest moments. Unfortunately for Gabe Velarde, uh, his led to a goal. Rick Bonus referred to it as a gift. And, I mean, that was being somewhat charitable. Um, but it was something to see the way uh, things changed in the second period uh, when it came to what Bones was doing. And, listen, he may not have told us everything after in the post game and tried to say it was on him. But it was pretty clear with the way the uh, lines got shuffled, and in particular, a guy going from line one to line four, that uh, Bones is um, looking for some accountability and guys to step up. And uh, even a new player like Velarde that's had such a strong contribution to this year, um, not able to avoid the wrath of the coach after something that was so glaring. Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there. That was pretty glaring. Immediately, I tweeted out, like, not sure what Gabriel Velarde was doing on that one because he was in a good spot. Like he back checked and he was there, and then once he and the def- and the Flyers player got to the crease, he just kind of like let up and drifted away, and it just it was kind of you know, you know when your me. controller gets unplugged, yeah, and your guy yeah, just kind of goes there, like that. That's what happened last night. Uh, yeah, on it's that first goal. Like you can see the process working. Like he's in the right spot, and then he just kind of loses his guy. I I don't know what happened there, but clearly, I thought the full line blender was going to be out in that second period, and then. Like you said, it's just I follow for Velarde, clearly sending a message in the game, in the post game. I mean, he's not gonna like say that. Like a coach isn't gonna publicly say that about his players. Some coaches do. Sometimes Rick Bonus has, but this is the first big losing streak they've had all year. He's not gonna go full uh, panic mode, especially singling out one of the newer players, Gabe Velarde. He's been hurt, um, but yeah, he, they need more from a lot of guys up front. Velarde's one of them, and that top line just has to get going. Kyle Connor scored. And uh, they switched to Connor Shifley Ehlers late in the third. I'd like to see the Jets continue with that top line going into Saturday's game. But yeah, just it's funny you, know, you bring that more. up. It's funny you bring that up because Reem, if you remember our conversation yesterday with Marat, and we were talking about Mike's original question, you know, coming out of the Pittsburgh game, would you think about swapping Connor and Ehlers? And we were talking about the pros and cons of that. And I brought up to Marat, I mean, you know, can we maybe see a first line that doesn't have Gabriel Velarde uh, on it? And he said, you know, they've been really committed to trying to have Velarde on that spot. But lo and behold, I mean, uh, 20 minutes into the game, we see a significant change that obviously won't keep Velarde on the fourth line for a long time, but it was a little different. And I would think that based on what we saw later on in that game, um, like I think Ehlers is going to be on that line to start Saturday night, and I would assume that Connor will be as well, um, which is maybe a little challenge for Monahan into his third game with the new line combination. But um, they need to score. They need to find a way to score goals right now. You'd love to get something from the bottom six, but the top six is where you really need to rely on it. And um, Listen, I don't think there's much argument against having Ehlers up there considering what he generates and what we've seen when he has been playing with Mark Shifley, regardless of the winger. Uh, they kept showing that graphic here on the during the game. Basically, everyone on the team on a scoring drought. I mean, well, we would just mention it. I mean, four goals in the last yeah. five games. Like, who isn't on a scoring drought? And 
I don't know, Hus. Like, it seems like they're kind of in the team's in denial that Nikolai Ehlers is a top line forward. Um, you know, Kyle Connor goes out and they perform amazing. Him, Shafley, and Velarde. And Kyle Connor comes back and congrats, uh, Nikolai. You've been demoted now to the second line. He doesn't get top power play time, but I mean, you can say that he's small or you can say that, you know, he plays a, an unpredictable style. But when he's on the ice, the results speak for themselves. Look at his efficiency. In terms of what point, you just want to go by straight points, points per 60 is one of the most efficient scorers on the team. So he's earned a shot at the at the top line forward. And if they want to get out of the scoring slum, I think it starts with uh, him and Mark Shafley together. If you want to put it with Connor, you want to put it with Velarde, take your pick. And they did switch the top six uh, to Connor, Shafley, Ehlers, and Perfetti, Monahan, Velarde. But I think Nikolai Ehlers he seems to be the guy who, uh, you know, gets the offense going on this team. And they just seem to not want to continuously over the last couple of years not use him in that way and, and limit his minutes. So we'll see what happens on, on Saturday. I, listen, yeah. I understand some of that thought process, like to have Ehlers as the, as the, the driver of that mm-hmm. second line, getting some better uh, matchups. I mean, uh, helping, you know, in theory, it was Monaghan and Perfetti on that group. But in this situation, after last night, and I think getting a little bit more of a look, not that we haven't had looks before with Ehlers playing with Shifley and, and now in this case Kyle Connor, um, knowing how much this team needs to kickstart the offense, uh, I think Ehlers has to be in that in that spot going into the game on uh, going into the game on Saturday night. What, one thing we haven't mentioned, and, and bonus, um, well, here, Remus, if you can, just play this very, very quick clip. I know people, it's been a big topic. Brendan Dillon's out for a few games. Logan Stanley got in. Here's what Bones had to say about uh, about Big Stan. It's fine. I mean, he got a couple, again, a couple of bad bounces that went off of us and just bouncing pucks. So uh, under the circumstances, I thought he did very fine. He did well. All right, so there's Bones. I mean, uh, fine. And the reason why I play that is that I know there's a lot of talk about Stan, and I know there's a talk a lot about Vili Hainala. Um, and, and listen, that's a topic that, you know, we'll discuss going forward this week when Vili gets a call. But, I mean, coming out of a game like that last night, let's not spend all our time talking about the seventh defenseman on the Jets' depth chart. I mean, this had almost nothing to do with who was in Brendan Dillon's spot on the third pair for the Winnipeg Jets last night. I mean, this was, you know, a, a failure of the team to be ready to just compete at that level with the team that they knew exactly what they were getting in the Philadelphia Flyers. And, um, you know, and I think that's why Rick Remus, when he was asked that question, just sort of said, yeah, fine. I mean, it, it wasn't a matter of, like, as I say, you could swap Billy Hanel with Logan Stanley. I don't know if that's making a lick of difference last night. Um, overall, going forward, sure. We all would like to see Billy Hanel get an opportunity at some point. But when the puck drops on Friday, or when the puck drops tomorrow night uh, at Canada Life Center against Pittsburgh, we're going to be looking at the big dogs on this hockey club to see what they can do right now. Because as much as changes around the periphery at the bottom of the depth chart is a fun thing to talk about in Canadian markets. Um, This is not going to be saved by somebody coming in from the moose. It's going to be saved from the guys that had great seasons going up until a few weeks ago, getting back to doing what made them a first place hockey club in the, uh, in the first place. 
Yeah, just looking at the numbers, uh, Big Stan was on the ice for two goals against, but, you know, it's funny. You know, we talk about how it wasn't a great game for the for the Jets overall. After listening to that John Tortorella press conference, Huss, I was actually feeling a lot better with the Jets game. I was like, maybe they did. Maybe they did get goalied. I don't know. Maybe they did have a lot of chances and could have easily uh, tied it up in the second and third, but Urson just stood on his head. They were better, but the bar was so damn low after the first 20 minutes. I think anything would have looked better. However, Philly did go long, long stretches without having anything offensively, um, which is great. But you know what? When you uh, play the way they did in the first period, you get up the way they did on the Jets and then get that shorthanded goal to make it 4 nothing. I mean, that level of urgency. I mean, I think, Connor, they were just able to sort of sit back. Torts hated it, obviously, from what we heard. <laughs> But the Philadelphia Flyers never seemed even close to being in danger. And maybe Urson, you know, if a goal goes in midway through the second period, maybe it's a different story in the third. But the bottom line is it wasn't. And you could sort of feel that from Bonus's comments after the game. Yeah, Bonus said, like, oh, it's a Tortorella team. They are, they're never going to sit back. But we all saw it. Like, the Flyers definitely sat back. Tortorella saw it. He was clearly uh, pissed off in the post game. And, yeah, they, they outshot the Flyers 15-2 to two in the second. Uh, like that, that's a step that's pushback. That's fighting back. Uh, you're down three, nothing, but you're still like giving it your effort. Um, and it, it is what it is. How much of that is score effects and the flyers just dumping the puck in or making the safe play rather than shooting the puck on net. How much of that is the jets throwing everything on net? Cause they know they're down for nothing and they need a goal. Um, that's, that's a different conversation like score effects in general, but I think they did play better in the second and third period. But again, like you said, when you put yourself down, that far with a team that's like failing to score goals, a power play that's bottom six, bottom seven in the NHL, like that you're just not going to win hockey games. Um, the Jets' ability to come from behind is something that might come up here. It, it like they they were able to have good comebacks earlier in the year when they were able to score goals, but with a lacking power play, the inability to generate at five on five, that first goal is becoming more and more important, and being able to just lean on the defensive system and and Connor Hellebuck. So. Yes, they played better, but dig yourself that deep of a hole, you're not going to win. You make a, you do make a great point about the uh, the first goal. I believe I was listening on the pregame show on my way to uh, meet the fellows to watch the game, and I think the Jets are 19-3-1 when they score the first goal. Um, Philly was right up there as well in that category, which made the first goal so important, which made that goal that they gave up, which was the gift, as uh, Rick Bonus said, um, so frustrating, I think so impactful, to what happened for the rest of that, um, the rest of the uh, the the first period. Um, well, obviously, we're gonna have plenty more on this. Uh, we're gonna have Ken Weeb's thoughts on it, Brandon Ruicki as well, coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but just before I've got to go, we got about five minutes before Brandon comes on here. We'll take a quick timeout, maybe lift the spirits of everyone. You cannot stress about the Jets for five minutes because we've got the Super Bowl on Sunday. My Chiefs, Connor's Niners. Uh, Remus, we know who we're both taking in the game. Have you uh, have you settled on your Super Bowl pick yet for uh, for fifty eight on Sunday? You know, I haven't really. I haven't locked anything in. I usually at our Super Bowl party, I uh, do a prop pool sheet that we hand out to everyone, and you got to fill it out. Um, I'm really torn. You know, when the line came out, I'm like, "Whoa, Chiefs are underdogs." I got to bet them. Uh, I mean, how can you bet against? Patrick Mahomes at all. 
Um, so that's my first lean. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go against the public and take the 49ers. They've been the best team all year. They had one bad game. Uh, the Chiefs shown they can be exploited on the ground, which San Francisco, that is what they do. They're going to run with McCaffrey. They're going to run the with Debo, Debo, Debo Samuel. Uh, I think that's where they're going to gonna win. And maybe Brock Purdy sprinkles in you know, a, a deep throw to Ayuk that bounces off a defender's helmet and he makes a circus catch. <laughs> maybe that happens again. You never know. So I'm really torn. I think I would probably... My my heart is, or is my head saying Chiefs, but my heart is saying uh, 49ers here. So I'm torn. If I had to lock in in a pool, I would probably take the 49ers because I think everyone is going to be, be on the Chiefs, and I think that gives you an advantage. So um, I'm, I'm really playing both sides here, both you guys. I'm sorry. But I'll say, <laughs> I'll, I'll say Chiefs. Uh, I'm going to, if I had to pick... Chiefs. He just goes at all and say I'm saying 49ers and then but says I, Chiefs. But at when the I end. do my when I do my pool, <laughs> I will put in 49ers and say um, McCaffrey as the MVP. Uh, That's what um, I'm going to put uh, in. You know, uh, listen. If you're on the Chiefs, you're obviously on Mahomes as MVP. Yeah. And, uh, but Connor, to what Reeman just mentioned about this matchup, I mean, to me, uh, and I think we're going to find out very, relatively quickly, like we did in the Ravens game, uh, as to how Kansas City is able and ready to handle the rushing attack of McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers. Because if they can do anything close to what they did after that one big rush from Gus Edwards, uh, it's going to put a ton of pressure on Brock Purdy. And I think that the path of victory for the Niners is to not make Brock Purdy have to out-QB Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And it's it's the more I listen to these these the media, the the Americans that are talking about the game and what they think and where the strengths are and weaknesses are, the, the 49ers what they do best is run the ball and what the Chiefs do worse, like worse out of every facet of their game is run defense. Like their pass defense is elite and it makes their defense one of the best in the league. They have an elite quarterback, Travis Kelsey, Rushy Rice, like their offense, yeah, it struggled in the Baltimore game, but they got the job done but they can't stop the run and the Ravens didn't run the ball. Like it, it was just shocking to me. And and the bills had success running the football. So I like McCaffrey as Super Bowl MVP. Um, Cause obviously I think the 49ers are going to win. And I think if they're going to win, he's going to have 180 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Like he, he's going to have to have the game of his life. Um, but yeah, just listening around, like chiefs, uh, we Huss and I, we haven't talked off camera about this game. So you're not included in this Huss. but chiefs fans have been on this, like, this moral high ground because they have the better quarterback, they have the better defense, and yet they're still underdogs. So they can they can say, oh, we have Mahomes. You can't bet against Mahomes. Oh, our defense is better. They have one of the best defenses in the league, and we're underdogs. This is like a dream come true. Um, but I, I just don't buy it. I think that run defense, people are underestimating how much that is going to matter. And the Niners, like Brock Purdy, might not even be a factor in this game. They might run reverse jet sweeps to Debo and McCaffrey and Ayuk all game, and Brock Purdy has to make what like five good throws. That that that's the game. Like well, I we'll just see. I, I'll, I just, the one thing I'll say is people were saying the exact same thing going into Buffalo and the exact same thing going into Baltimore. Oh, I, and we I don't know how that, that we yeah. know how that turned out. And listen, Spags has had two weeks to get ready for this game. He had an absolute masterpiece getting his defense ready for the Ravens. Um, and this deep, it's going to be an incredible matchup. Obviously, I'm on the Chiefs. Um, I do like the under in the game, uh, 47 and a half. I think both teams 
are going to eat up the clock on some long drives. Um, and particularly if either of these teams can, you know, force red zone field goals, I think that really leans to the under. The guys will get to the cool bet lines later on. But just before I jet, here's a few of my favorite props for the game. We went through all of them on the lock shop today. Um, listen, if you like the Chiefs to win, Mahomes, it, it's almost, uh, it's hard to imagine a scenario that the Chiefs win and Mahomes isn't the MVP. Um, he's at plus 120. The Chiefs are plus 110 to win the game. So very, very similar. Um, I, I, I do I do like, uh, and this is, again, you know where I'm coming from on this. I'm looking at different ways the Chiefs can win this game. Brock Purdy over one and a half interceptions at plus 400. Uh, maybe worth a little sprinkle if you're with us on. I think MVS is the most undervalued player on the prop market. Um, I've got him at over 19 and a half yards for the game. I've got him over 13 and a half yards for his long reception. Uh, put a little sprinkle on him for first touchdown at 25 to one. Uh, the thing with, you know, Kelsey's going to get a ton of balls. Rashi Rice is going to get a ton of balls and they're going to run Isaiah Pacheco. The question is who is the other guy? And I think we've seen dating back to last year's AFC championship game and both the bills game and the Ravens game is that, Mahomes is sort of back with a little bit more confidence in MVS and he's made those big throws. And as far as like over the long reception, the average air yards of Mahomes passes to MVS this year has been 17 and a half. So if he does get a catch or two, he's probably getting on the over. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, a couple other ones. Rashi Rice, longest reception over 21 and a half. I like that. Uh, Butker over Moody and head-to-head kicking points. Uh, and then finally... For the post game, there is a prop at CoolBet where it's the first mention by the MVP in his acceptance speech. So first mention. Now, it's even money for teammates. It is two to one for, you know, thanking God or whatever a religious thing. Uh, this is more a Mahomes bet. But if Mahomes wins the MVP and we're talking about the first mention, I'm going city slash fans at five to one, Mahomes always, when he gets going and knows that he's got the mic going on, gets the, hey, how we doing, Chiefs Kingdom? He shouts out the fans first, I think. So there you go, five to one. Um, if you want more, check out today's lock shop over at uh, at Edmonton Sports Talk with the, with the fellas. And uh, guys, I'm gonna need to, uh, I'm gonna need to run. Connor, I, I hope you have a great weekend with the exception of Sunday from about 6 p.m. Well. till about you 10 well. o'clock. <laughs> and uh, Reem, I know you and Connor will hold it down next week. Uh, and uh, I hope I come back. The show on the Monday, I just realized, is gonna be our first, it's gonna be basically a pregame show for the Winnipeg Jets oh. because Calgary's playing that afternoon at. Uh, at uh, at the the nineteenth at uh, at three p.m. So if yeah, we're that's, doing a, a, that's show a holiday that Monday actually. So I don't know. I don't know if we we're going to do one. We'll have to discuss. Okay, yeah. Well, we will do one. But anyways, that is a weird day because it is a game day that day, and then of course the Tuesday is the Minnesota Wild. I'll be stressing with all of you Jets fans tomorrow night and through the week, uh, but I uh, won't be around. Shout out to the guys for uh, hand, uh, holding it down. And uh, uh, special congratulations to my great friends, Mo and Melissa, who are getting married, heading down there, uh, down south for that. And uh, I'll be back in a week, but uh, it's going to be fun. 
and and in some ways, thank God, this Jets uh, issues are happening right around the Super Bowl. So I've been sort of been able to concentrate on that. But if we get to Super Bowl Monday, and uh, I don't even want to think of what could happen over the course of the weekend. I hope it makes my trip great. But uh, yes, concern levels rising for the Jets. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And uh, I know Brandon and Michael and Connor will uh, have more from you as the uh, the program continues. So uh, everybody have an awesome Super Bowl weekend. Uh, and uh, fingers crossed the uh, home team gets it done tomorrow on the ice. I'll turn it over to Michael and I will see you in a week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great weekend and uh, go Chiefs. Yeah, well done, Hustler. Have a great time off. Hopefully you don't burn the place down uh, when you go uh, see a peace and love. Anyways, we'll get to Brandon Ruicki coming up. We are looking forward to next season. And of course, all of our Winnipeg Blue Bomber reports here on Winnipeg Sports Talk are brought to you by Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And now welcoming Bomber fans to Princess Auto Stadium for next season's Winnipeg Blue Bomber year. Of course, a new 10-year deal announced earlier this year. Uh, a great local success story of a Winnipeg company getting behind the local team in, a, in the way that they uh, are. Of course, Princess Auto, in addition to being great sponsors of all of our sports teams here in the Peg and, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and visit them in-store on either Panet Road or Portage Avenue West at their two Winnipeg locations, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, I have to give a shout-out to the gang at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. As the snow melts and we get into spring, you'll see their fences and trucks all over the city. Um, but you might not know, they're also the Clopay dealer in Manitoba and have the largest selection of overhead garage doors for your home in town. But right now, as it is cold in the middle of the winter, this is the time that stresses your overhead garage door the most. And the right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service, there's only one name or two you need to know. And that is Wallace and Wallace. And uh, hey, fellas, if you're looking into your closet and realize that it might be time to step up your menswear game, might I suggest a quick trip to take care of that down to see the gang at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street, Winnipeg and Manitoba's number one spot for menswear at great prices. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Great deals for 2024 high school grads. And if you're in a wedding party or getting married this year, make sure you talk to the gang down at F Apparel about a 15% discount when the entire wedding party gets their suits at F Apparel. They're again down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online and find out more or make an appointment at F. That's EPHapparel.com. This is away, but he'll be uh, keeping us updated with all those announcements uh throw next week but here we go it is time it's friday bringing in brandon ruicki of skates and plates podcast brandon what's up man how's it going thanks for uh coming here on a friday pump for the weekend 
Oh, you know it, baby. I like this is um this is Young Dad Corner right here. Young Dad, we could, yeah. <laughs> we 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 could we could go a totally different direction than when Huss is usually hosting this. By the way, I do have to say, I don't think I've ever hated Huss more than when he unveiled his his information and his research on Patrick Mahomes's Super Bowl winning speech. How like how spoiled and entitled are you as a fan that you actually are going to bet on what he's going to say first after he wins the trophy? I, like that, I, I I would love to eventually get to that at some point in, in my in my fandom. But I heard that and I was like, you got to be kidding. But other than that, I'm doing good. Yeah, Young Dad Pod. Uh, okay, what brand of diaper cream are you all over? Are you going with yeah. the no name or the name brand stuff? But. And yeah. I actually admired Hustler going back. I mean, that's some good intel going back and reading the speeches of the of the of the Patrick Mahomes getting MVP. I mean, I kind of was like, hey, that's actually pretty, pretty valuable. I mean, I always joke about uh, betting on Gatorade color and I like correlating the color of the Gatorade to the team. So I think red is getting some nice valid plus 450. But I don't think that's the case. But back to the young dad, Potter. You going with? Are you a Pampers guy or uh, or Huggies? No. Uh, <laughs> do you want to? Okay, let's. Okay, we've talked about the Jets enough. Uh, it's not going well. We're gonna get your number of level of concern. But the Bombers, big week for them. Did you see it shaking out this way? Brad O'Shone and Oliveira both coming back. Didn't feel like it was going to like a week or two ago, and. Basically, the whole crew's coming back minus Jamarcus Hardrick right now. I, I was thinking about this even before the the Oliveira and the Schoen signings, although it's a little bit different because they're here for, for multiple years now. But I don't know if you feel this way, Remo, but does it does it almost feel a little bit like this year's edition of the Bombers is almost like the last dance? Like they're kind of gearing for one more big-time run before there's some potential changes after it? That's kind of what I'm wondering about here is, is where, you know, where the team goes from here after this year. But I mean, this is about as good as you could have hoped for in terms of reloading to take another run at a fifth straight great cup appearance. Right. I, I, it's, it's fantastic. I, I just didn't think it was going to be possible to get Brady and or shown back and then to get both of them. I mean, that's just, that, that's, that's as good as, as Cal Walters and company have ever done. The big thing's going to be now, can you find some, some reinforcements on the O-line. But, I mean, this this team's done a remarkable job bringing guys in for anybody that's left over these last handful of years. So, feeling pretty confident. But, yeah, it, it sure helps it Sure helps a big way bringing back arguably two of the best offensive weapons in the CFL back in the fold. Futures or anything, so we can't really see what the bookmakers have to say about uh, Grey Cup favorites, but I still think the Bombers would have to be there in the West. They have... The weapons on offense, you mentioned Hardrick, uh, you know, he's expected, you have the uh, correct terminology during the negotiation, expected to sign with Saskatchewan and Demario Houston leaving as well. But they've had DBs leave and, you know, it was a couple of years ago where they brought in like 30 DBs to training camp and that's where they found Dietrich Nichols, who is uh, the shutdown guy on this team. And you had to be pretty, uh, pretty pumped up. And we didn't even mention uh, Chris Strevler as well. We'll have to see what kind of impact he has. but. As far as last dance, I think next year is the last dance because the Grey Cup's here. Uh, Brady signed the two-year. Schoen only signed uh, the one-year. And I think Lawler, but Lawler, does he have another one after this? So I think 
it's kind of coming to that point, uh, Brandon, where this year and next year are the uh, years for the Bombers. The last, the last, yeah, the last dance. So getting there, and you like to, you hope they can get you know one more championship, but I think getting to a Great Cup would be huge, uh, huge as well. Um, as for the Jets, now we can go back to there. I mean, you probably watched the game closely. You know, we know you're a big Flyers guy. Uh, what do you think of last night's performance? And where is your level of concern uh, for the Winnipeg Jets right now? Yeah. So, what what would a ten be on the on the panic scale? Like, is that full blown citywide panic and like yeah. jobs like, are on the could- line? Yeah, like, 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 do you like? Are you, you think you think Saturday's a like? Are you opinion like Saturday's like a, a total must win? Like, I don't know. Like, you're like, but it's not. It's not good, Remo. When we're doing must wins in, in games, I don't 15, like. I don't think it's. A, I'm not it's, there. I don't think it's like must win no. or anything. But I think oh, you have to be slightly concerned with the level of play and just the the history with the team. But where are you at right now? Like, yeah, how, like where where are you at after watching last night's game? I mean, it's not good. Let's just be honest. I mean, you, anytime you lose five straight, it's, it's going to be some level of sky is falling. I'll say this. I'm not as concerned as I was last season. And I still don't feel like this is a repeat of last season. And I think that's what everybody's really worried about right now is, you know, oh, my gosh, here comes the second half collapse again. And we'll go from chasing a division title to hanging on to one of the wildcard spots here. I I really don't think it's going to get that dire for Winnipeg, mainly because the struggles last year's team had, we, I haven't, I at least haven't seen that jump out in this, in this recent stretch of games. Like they're still really structured for the most part. They're playing good defensive hockey outside of one or two mishaps here or there. Um, But team wise, like the team game for the club, I think is still at an okay spot. It's just the offense is completely dried up right now. And I mean, everybody knows that watching the games. The big thing for me, I, I, I do think five on five, this club is going to be okay. The power play is killing the team. It, it, like it, it's at the point now, Remo, where this might be the Achilles heel and ultimately what, what ends their season, maybe earlier than any of us would like. They, like it's just, it's, <laughs> I called it on, on last night's skates and plates. It's an energy vampire. They go out there and it sucks the life out of the Winnipeg Jets and the other team pounces all over. I mean, you, you can't go minus one on the power play, right? Like you're, you're just you're winning 0% of those hockey games. And there's just been way too many nights where the Jets go out there and it just seems like there's no real, there's no real direct approach. There's no set play that they're trying to generate. It's just kind of let's pass it around the perimeter and see what happens. And I, I think that's the big issue for me now is how can we fix the power play? We're going to hope that five on five, the scoring comes back um, to where it was earlier in the year. But the power play has just been a season long concern here. And I don't even know if the addition of Monaghan is going to be enough to fix it. To me, it's got to be something where structurally things change and the coaching staff has to figure out a way to, to correct this really immediately. Because as it stands right now, you're not winning. You're just not going deep. You're not going deep in the playoffs with a power play that's at 15%. Yeah, 15.1. You want to go down to the decimal place. That's 25th in the league. And I always enjoy pointing out, maybe not enjoy. I don't think that's the right word. The San Jose Sharks who are here on a Wednesday, you know, the worst team in the league. They got a better power play than the Jets, who at one point were the best team in the league. Now they've kind of slipped with this losing skid, but that, you know, for majority of the season, we've been saying they were 
number one. So you're the coach, Brandon. What are you doing here on the power play? Uh, bonus says it's going to get fixed. I mean, are you confident that they're going to fix it? And what are you going to do? Let's put you behind the bench here. I got the whiteboard, eh? Uh, yeah, you got the whiteboard. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think that to me, it's more of a structural thing that it is necessarily a personnel issue. Um, I mean, one interest, and it's tough to say because we haven't really seen him run a power play here too much, but like you do wonder if maybe giving Billy Hanel an opportunity might be something that could help kickstart the thing. The reason I say that is the Flyers, who also have an awful power play, by the way, uh, turn the reins on, on the power play over to Igor Zamula, who's kind of like their seventh defenseman. And, and since they did that, they've started to become a little more successful with the man advantage. And so I wonder if maybe that might be a route you might want to go down. I, I do think Morrissey can still be a solid power play quarterback, even though it hasn't worked for the team so far this year. Um, I, you know, I wonder too right now if you kind of almost just want to go, let's make this as simple and, and dirty and grimy as possible. And we'll have two guys in front of the net and let's just try to get traffic and putts there. And like, like just kind of rip this thing down to the studs. And let's start from there. Let's try to build some confidence up by getting some some chances and some opportunities and, and hopefully some goals. And then once that happens, then we can try to figure out, okay, what's the what's the route and approach that we want to take on the power play? The big issue for me, Remo, and I, I think this is the case with all power plays in the NHL that struggle. And I, I thought the same watching Pittsburgh the other night too, even though they, they scored two on the Jets. Uh, but Pittsburgh's power play has been uh, pretty inept for the majority of the season as well. And just ask yourself the question, what are the Jets trying to do on the power play? Like, what, what's, what's their setup play, right? Like, what, what's the one thing that they're trying to do to attack the opposition? And I, I don't think anybody has an answer right now. And that, that, to me, is the problem. Like, you've got, to have one, you've got to have one concrete area where it's like, okay, when things break down, we know we can rely on X. The Jets don't have an X right now. So, to me, it's figuring out a way to get that going. Um, I mean, puck movement's got to be a lot quicker, and there's really no movement at all, right? Like, it's, it's kind of the hallmark of, of, of a bad power play. They're static, and they're not moving the puck around a whole lot. And it's just giving other teams way too much time to get over there, take away shooting lanes, take away passing lanes. So it's, it's, I, I think in terms of an immediate fix, Remo, I, I think it's just let's try, to, let's try to get guys in front of the net here. It's not going to be pretty. But, you know, Gabe Velarde shown he's really adept at, at producing in front of the net there. And I think Sean Monaghan can do that as well. Let's get some traffic going there, pucks to the net. And then from that point, if there's chaos afterwards, we find Shifley, we can find Connor off the post there to try to capitalize. But I, I, I think it's, it's so bad right now that you almost have to just, let's focus on the basics. And once we get that nailed down, then we can talk about potentially, you know, improving our, our arsenal after that. All right, Brandon, we got Ken coming up. It is the Super Bowl. I know you're a big Super Bowl party guy. What's you got to pick for the game? Because I kind of flip-flop back and forth and gave a non-answer. Do you have an answer? And what is your signature dish at this year's Super Bowl party? Or are you, I know you're moving. You also got, yeah. I know you got two kids now. Super Bowl parties change well, once you got two kids. I was going to say, my signature move right now is to hide in the basement for, for two and a half hours and <laughs> grab, a half, grab a half dozen wings and just hope nobody bothers me. Um, I mean, my, my, my pick for the Super Bowl and really my pick for any playoff game involving Kansas City moving forward is that I'm not betting against Mahomes. Um, 
I, I just, I've learned my lesson. I, I tried to do it against Baltimore. And I, I just, I feel like I'll get them right more often than wrong if, if I go with Patrick Mahomes. So, so that's going to be my pick for the Super Bowl is that ultimately he's, he's Thanos, he's inevitable, and, and the Chiefs are going to find a way to get it done. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Kansas City tries to slow down San Fran's running back. Um, that, that, to me, is the most interesting part of the game. Um, don't know how it's going to happen, though, but I just think Patty Mahomes gets the ball in the fourth quarter, down a score, Casey gets it done. Um, number one day. I mean, my number one Super Bowl party day. It's got to be chicken wing. Um, and I'm working on a couple different hot sauces right now. So I've got a few things, got a few things in the mix, Remo, including like an updated buffalo sauce. So I'll keep you posted. Mm. If things go well, if I get, if I get some time to myself this weekend, if, if, if everything goes according to plan, I'll, I'll send over the recipe, and maybe we can, maybe you and me can get away for you know, 30 minutes or an hour and enjoy ourselves somewhere. Yeah. How old is your, both of us now with two children, uh, mine are four and like 16 months or something. What, how old is yours now? Three and yeah, it's, Oh God. Three and eight months, man, eight months. That's so young. So yeah, you're not watching the game. Uh, (laughs) anyways, Brad, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. And I'm in for Huss next week, so I can't wait to do it again. Appreciate uh, appreciate all your time. Sounds good, man. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. There's Brandon Ruicki. He is on, on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, at Brandon underscore Ruicki, but I don't think he posts much on there. The Skates and Plates uh, podcast, you know, talking jets, talking food, and everything else. So uh, there's Brando. Uh, we're going to get to Ken Weeb, and I have the uh, appropriate read here from Hustler. We have to give a big cheers from Winnipeg Sports Talk to our friends at Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer company, featuring their flagship 1919 and their newest generic lager. My personal favorite, a 4-5 domestic-style beer brewed locally fresh and crisp to the taste and listen generic right now not only can you find it along with 1919 on your next trip to canada life center up in craft beer corner in section 310 in the upper bowl or 126 in the lower bowl you'll also find it at your local beer store in manitoba liquor marts at a great low price of 1999 for an eight pack of tall boys if you haven't tried generic lager yet try local I'm sure you will enjoy it, and uh, maybe the best place to check it out, along with all of the Little Brown Jug offerings, is down at their brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can also find out more on Little Brown Jug ordering and local delivery options, along with their great merchandise, online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, every sports fan in Winnipeg pretty much knows that if you're in the market for some new Jets merch or bomber gear or your favorite team from another league, there's only one place you need to go, and that, of course, is the Royal Sports Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway. 40,000 square feet of the biggest inventory you'll find anywhere, featuring all the home teams and the top teams from all of your favorite leagues and whatnot around the world. But it's not just great fan merchandise at Royal Sports. Take advantage of winter or what's left of it, 
with their incredible hockey section, skates both for high-end players as well as recreational skaters, not to mention snowboards, boots, bindings, and all the cool stuff on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. You've got to see it to believe it for yourself. Head on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway and make sure to follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, hey, big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. If you're thinking about gathering with your friends for the big game, uh, there's nowhere better to do it than your local BP. You know you'll have the game on the massive screens in Boston Pizza. Uh, the sound from the commentators up on the uh, on the sound system. And most importantly and most popular, win or lose, you'll be enjoying ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and great Boston pizza hospitality. And heck, seven days a week, if you can't make it out to your local BP, you can always order online and get it hot and fast to your door by ordering at bostonpizza.com. There's Hustler. He's away. I'm in the host chair. And I'm pumped to be joined here on a Friday by Weeb's World. Ken Weeb of Winnipeg Free Press. Nice nice hoodie there, Ken. Kenny and Rennie. Uh, catch them here on YouTube as well and podcast. Ken, how's it going? You're back. We spoke to you last week in uh, sunny Mexico. That's right, Remo. A little different backdrop here, but uh, happy to have the uh, back at the home front here. Nice to be with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandon, I would take that recipe also if you uh, perfect it this weekend. <laughs> There you go. Everyone's got to get a Super Bowl dish. Yeah, Super Bowl recipe. I I picked up some wings. Today I'm ready to rock. But we're here. We'll talk Jets, Ken, five straight losses. Big topic today. What's your level of concern (laughs) here? And are we? I'm looking at the calendar and it's 2024. Are we back in 2023, Ken, after five straight and the second half uh, not off to a great start here post All Star break? Well, Remo, uh, you know, we love the hot tub time machine, but uh, I don't see the Jets uh, cannonballing their way into it uh, personally. Uh, every season needs some tension, and the tension has arrived. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that no team wants to go through, but almost every single team goes through it. Uh, for all the people who think it's 2023, I would also maybe look at 2023, and there's a certain team from, from Las Vegas that uh, stumbled their way into the All-Star break last year. And I don't think when we talk about the 2022-2023 Vegas Golden Knights, what we what we talk about is not their losing skid going into the break, but uh, that little banner that they put up at the end of uh, at the end of June. So, not saying it's a parallel, not saying it's automatic. The Jets' stumble will lead them to great greener pastures. Uh, what I would say is the biggest thing for Rick Bonus and his coaching staff and the players themselves, Remo, would be that. Uh, what we've seen during this five-game losing streak for them are a bunch of correctable things uh, that can easily be identified. Uh, the Jets have sort of, I wouldn't say that they're playing the same style as last year when they ran into their struggles down the stretch where they uh, just about had the most epic collapse in NHL history. But uh, I would say that there has been a little bit of erosion in their game and it's just slipped a little bit here and there over the last you know month or so. And Right now, it's led to five consecutive losses. Now, it's all about how a team responds when you face this sort of adversity. Uh, you saw both Adam Lowry and Dylan DeMello express uh, great confidence in the post-game interviews yesterday with Mike McIntyre, my colleague. And you also saw Rick Bonus sort of taking the 
uh, pointing the finger at himself kind of tact, uh, which we know is right out of the coach's manual. But uh, to me, it's all about execution. And, you know, the sooner the Jets get back to executing and doing the things that made them successful in the first, you know, 40, 40-ish games, 42 games, uh, I think there's going to be a little bit more stability uh, around the corner here for them. Seems like every player on this team right now is in the middle of a goal scoring slump. They kept showing this graphic and naming like right. six guys you could have named more. Um, what do you make of the line shuffling that went on yesterday? They seem to want to go with wanted to go with Perfetti, Monahan, Ehlers. Um, you know, after Velarde took some time on the fourth line, he went to the second line, and they did Connor Schaefer's. You think they start with that on Saturday's game against Pittsburgh? Yeah, I do uh, for a couple of reasons here. Uh, Kyle Connor, we know, has been you know fighting it a bit offensively. There's no doubt about that. We knew there was going to be some challenges for him coming back after 16 games on the shelf. Remo with that knee injury, um, very similar to Nikolai Ehlers missing most of training camp. It took him a good chunk of games to get rolling, and after he got rolling, he was almost unstoppable. So uh, we saw Kyle Connor have a little extra spring in his step after he got the late goal yesterday. Uh, I think Nikolai Ehlers, uh, you know, going up onto that line, they immediate, almost immediately scored, uh, generated a couple of quality scoring chances. And um, I would think that that's the way Rick started even, will start even though he was non-committal in the post-game interview and asked specifically about it. Uh, I talked about this earlier in the week uh, on CGOB, Huss, and, and on our show too. I mean, I think that Gabe, Gabriel Velarde is a guy who I think is really going to mesh well with Sean Monaghan. That's not to say that Velarde may not go back up on the top line at some point. That may very well be the case. Uh, but right now, I think he'd be a really good fit with Monaghan. Cole Perfetti, we always talk about his you know, hockey intelligence and IQ. Um, you know, Three really sharp players, very smart. I expect that they'll make some predictable reads. Uh, and again, I'm not, not saying that Ehlers and Sean Monaghan can't work at some point. They very well can. Uh, but right now, I think... As the Jets are looking to simplify their game a little bit more, I think Velarde and Monaghan uh, with Perfetti is is a good way to go. And I also think that that you know electric speed of Nikolai Ehlers uh, will help both Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor right now. Uh, we obviously know that the Jets' third line needs to get rolling offensively as well. Um, you know, Mason Appleton has found his offensive touch a little bit the last little bit. Uh, Lowry, I think now ten games without and. Nino Niederreiter, 15, his longest stretch uh, as a member of the Jets without a goal. He had a really glorious, both guys had good scoring chances, but uh, haven't been able to convert of late. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of guys struggling to find the back of the net, and it's odd that so many players are struggling to find the back of the net at the same time, Remo. Uh, But what I would say, there's, you know, we've talked about the depth in this hockey club. Yesterday, Morgan Barron was the only forward under 10 minutes of ice time at 8.30. Uh, I think that that four-line game is something we're really going to see, and it will give the Jets uh, a bit of an advantage against the Penguins on Saturday, given that the Penguins are facing the Wild here on Friday night in uh, St. Paul. So you'd expect more of a four-line game here. Yesterday, they were leaning on the Shifley line a little bit you know, heavily, uh, you know, 21.40, I think, for Mark in terms of ice time. So I think you're going to see a little bit more even distribution but what we have seen Remo what we were wondering about would the addition of Sean Monaghan bring more shifts for uh, Ehlers and Perfetti that has been the case even though Perfetti's ice time was down a bit much of that was due to special teams but uh, I I do see the Jets uh, you know I think they're also going to see Alex Nedeljkovic and with all due respect to him uh, he's having a good year at times you know nice bounce back but I mean 
Tristan Jari leads the NHL in shutouts. I think Jari's playing tonight in Minnesota, so the Jets will be getting a backup goalie, though they have made some of them look good this year. Uh, I would expect that they will be uh, a lot sharper when it comes to their play. Uh, they weren't very good in front of the net, uh, Remo. You know, three of their goals given up in in, in tight spaces. Uh, the back check, I mean, I shouldn't say the back check. There was no problem with the Gabriel Velarde back check on the first goal. He just forgot to check Tyson Forrester uh, at the last moment. He was side by side with him, but he you know, didn't prevent the pass and he didn't lift the stick. So, um, you know, he did all the work and then didn't check when the play was made. But, I mean, that's just not, this is a very smart player. He just had a brain cramp and that happens to, to everyone over the course of the season. It just happens to be a little bit more glaring uh, when a team is struggling out of the gate and has lost five in a row. Yeah, and Ken, we do have some uh, breaking goalie news here from the Penguins. They're actually starting Ned tonight. Alex oh, Nedeljkovic in in net against Minnesota. So it looks like my we'll apologies. Get to see Jerry it. will be there again. Yeah. So was, I don't know what if that's affected the uh, line on that game, but certainly interesting. And one thing, Ken, has been a concern all year is special teams. Um, again, a, a negative yesterday, allowing a shorthanded goal. Power plays near the bottom of the league. You know, they asked Rick Bonus about it. I think it was Mike earlier this week. He said they'll get it fixed. I mean, it's been half a season right now. How how confident should we be that they, they can turn this thing around? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Jets won't like the fact that they gave up the shorty there yesterday. But I would say, personally, Remo, I thought the power play looked better on uh, on Thursday night than it has a lot of the time in the last stretch. Their puck movement was better. They generated a lot more quality chances. Nikolai Ehlers off the post. You saw a couple of, you know, the... High high tip redirect by Sean Monahan was very close. So uh, I would say the power play is improving. Now, having said that, they still lost the special teams battle. I get it. Minus one on the power play is never a good thing, uh, especially when the team has gone something like two for 37 or whatever it is over the last 11 games. So that does need to get cleaned up. Uh, I would say that the penalty kill was one of the few bright spots for the Jets on Thursday night. I mean, four for four, and they killed off a 53-second five-on-three. So now, having said that, it did take a absurd paddle-down save by Lauren Bersois and Noah Cates in order to keep that clean sheet while shorthanded. But, uh, you know, for a team that had given up multiple power play goals on consecutive nights going back to before the All-Star break, uh, I would say it was a step forward for the Jets, uh, with you know, while playing shorthanded. Uh, but having said that, yeah, I mean, both both units uh, need improvement, and I would say a four for four uh, showing on the penalty kill was was a strong you know step forward on that front. And I would say that if the Jets' puck movement is you know similar to what we saw yesterday, we know against the second best penalty kill in the NHL, you would think that uh, you know they should be able to do a good job against the Penguins, who did a good job against them on special teams, obviously, uh, two nights earlier. Yeah, I've been surprised looking at these special team stats. The Flyers, one of the top teams on the penalty kill league, and the Penguins. With all, all work, that, my man, all work. Yeah, the Penguins with that uh, offensive firepower. Crosby, Carlson, Malkin, 30th in the league in power bizarre. play. Uh, a very... Very bizarre. It's kind of funny listening to the post-game comments yesterday. The Jets obviously not happy with their play, and John Torrella not happy either going for a minute. We played the clip uh, courtesy of the Flyers' YouTube channel, but does it make you feel like maybe they just got goalied by Samuel Erson and their comeback attempts were thwarted, or was it really just... It's hard to argue a team got goalied when it was, you know, three nothing by the time you blinked. 
basically. <laughs> so uh, I, I would not uh, I would not go with that as a uh, as a uh, as a as a getting goalied kind of affair. Um, I, I mean, I understand. I mean, the Jets obviously wide disparity in shots in the second period. Sure, fifteen to two. I mean, um, but there are two. I think that it was you know Rick Bonus was protecting his players to a degree and. You know, there there is a certain level of respect, you know, saying, you know, towards his teams don't sit back. But that's why John Tortorella was upset. They they did sit back, even though it was probably unintentional, but uh, it was natural to kind of sit back after a, you know, three, four, nothing lead was built. Uh, you know, good on the Jets for not fading or, you know, that to me, Remo, there was a point in that game um, where it had some, you know, Excel Energy Center vibes, uh, you know, circa Thanksgiving specials where Ooh. where they got smoked and blown right out of the water. But they didn't fade into that kind of a game. They didn't kind of roll over. They they did battle and, you know, created some scoring chances. And yeah, then they ran into a little bit of frustration. And, um, you know, I, I appreciated the commentary from from Adam Lowry because it's it's 100% accurate. And um, you know, sometimes when you're going through an offensive rut, now you're not acting instinctively with the puck on your stick and, you know, you're shooting when you should pass and passing when you should shoot. And then now all of a sudden you get that scoring chance and you're second guessing yourself. Should I go forehand? Should I go backhand? Oh man, should I have gone five hole? And, you know, by the time you've decided it's kind of too late or the goalie makes a really good save. Um, so, you know, for me, yeah, I just, I, the Jets have too much uh, offensive um, power in order to stay struggling the way that they have been. But to me, the greater concern would be the the sort of cracks in the foundation of the of the way they've defended. You know, I'm thinking about the Latang goal the other day. I'm thinking about you know, obviously Velarde uh, had a tough go on that play, and it was, some people were you know going wild about the pinch by Dylan Sandberg. Guys, this is an aggressive team. If you have an F three that's high, you pinch in that situation every time. Um, that's how the Jets play. It's their aggressive style. It, it didn't result in an odd man rush. It was a clear two-on-two rush. Um, Neil Pionk took a little bit of a circuitous route uh, that that sort of opened up things to a degree. And then Velarde, like I said, it just kind of had a brain cramp. He was standing right beside him, but didn't check him. So, uh, And then, too, off the face-off, you had a little bit of uncertainty and you know, maybe some apprehensive play. Uh, you know, you have a pinball shot, Konechny off the pants of Pionk. I mean, you can't really, I mean, that's, it. the sword outs weren't good enough, but like that, that isn't really how the Jets play. And then there's another one where, you know, they just, you know, bunch of rebounds and the puck is bouncing around, pinballing around, and then it gets roofed by uh, Farabee, I think. So, I mean, it's not like the Jets have gone back to the old Jets where they're giving up 40, 50 shots a game and there's high danger chances flying around like they're going out of style. But having said that, they they just haven't defended to the, with the same fierceness as we've come to expect when the team went 10-1-3 in the month of December. Uh, it sort of skewed expectations to a degree, but it also was a reminder of what the Jets look like when they're playing on all cylinders and when they have their A-plus game. And right now they haven't had that version of their game, at least not over a 60-minute period, you know, for quite some time. And now that's the challenge for the Jets is kind of getting back to that. You're not going to snap your fingers and say, here's our A-plus game. But what you are expecting from the Jets is a little bit more urgency because if they don't show it, I mean, they played two teams that are A, the Penguins are below the playoff line, 
and be a Flyers team that isn't supposed to be above the playoff line, but keeps on staying ahead of teams like the New Jersey Devils and New York Islanders who are supposed to be ahead of them. So you'd expect the Jets after, you know, five game skid uh, to be showing, you know, some serious urgency coming out of the break. Uh, they don't want, you know, this streak has already gone on a long time. They don't want it to, you know, fester and snowball into, you know, six, seven, eight games. I mean, they they want to snap it as quickly as possible. They'll have a scheduling advantage. I know some people are wondering how in the world can the Jets take today off? They've only been back after the break. Uh, Rick Bonus obviously saw that his team, he thought his team needed a mental re- mental reset or a physical reset, whichever one it was. He expect usually what happens is this. It's not like the old days where you bag skate your team after a, an effort you don't like. This way you put the onus on the players. The coach rewarded his players with the day off. Those players should be sharp and ready to go against a team that you know conceivably is a little bit tired after playing the night before. But I mean, the Penguins aren't going to be using a tired excuse. They've only played a couple games coming out of the break, so. Uh, they're going to be ready. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be playing an urgent game. So I would expect the Jets to uh, respond in kind. And and it's really important for them to kind of dictate the the terms of endearment here uh, coming out of the gate because, you know, they're going to want to get a jump on the Penguins because both teams got the jump on them coming out of the break and it didn't, didn't go well for them. break i think a number of teams starting slow it's funny i was following a lot number of vancouver writers yesterday on twitter or x formerly known as as twitter and they were not happy with vancouver's performance in boston which well, is a, a big a big game for them right but boston had just got smoked the, you know two nights before yeah. so right this is what i mean like the the high-end teams they get beat or they have an effort they don't like they respond they don't let it spirals and the, and the jets are a very good team so I would expect them to be a little bit sharper. Uh, yeah, Ken, we're, we're winding, yeah, I'll agree with you there. We're winding it down here. And in terms of Saturday, you think we're going to see any lineup changes? I know there was a lengthy conversation at the end of <laughs> Kenny and Rennie if they're going to swap, uh, swap, make any swaps on defense there with Brendan Dillon uh, being suspended. He's got two more games. So you see any lineup changes coming on Saturday? Well, Remo, there was no uh, no placement on waivers, at least not to my uh, you know not to my knowledge. So, I mean, it, the Jets still could do that tomorrow if they wanted to call up Billy Hanela. But, I mean, kind of all signs point to Hanela suiting up against the Grand Rapids Griffins uh, tonight. And if he's not in the lineup, then we'll have our answer, I guess. But uh, if the Jets were going to want him to be at the morning skate, I would imagine they would have recalled him already. Uh, but we won't know that until the Moose game happens. Uh, there would be an opportunity there, of course. And now that's not to blame Logan Stanley. I mean, um, you know, he played almost 15 minutes. He had not played since December 12th. So, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He was, he was fine. Um, and, you know, do I think that Billy Hanela could help the Jets and some of the things they struggled with coming out of the gate of the all-star break uh, exits, getting their offense going, maybe helping the power play? Sure. Uh, nobody would nobody would be asking Billy Hanela to save the season here. The Jets are not in that situation where they need that to happen. But having someone who, you know, is a little bit maybe more mobile uh, would be something to consider. But I mean, the coaching staff kind of maybe already showed their cards in saying that that Logan Stanley was going to play all three games. Now that's obviously always subject to change, and that was based on who they had available. But um, you know, Kevin Chevaldeff recently said Billy Hanela was almost ready. He's played ten games, so. Only they know for sure if he's ready or not. And if he is going to be ready, then 
you would think the door was kind of open for him to be inserted, but uh, if not, there's a there's another almost a full yeah there is a full month before the trade deadline, and I would expect we'd see Hanelo before that time at some point. Great having you on today. Enjoy, you know, your afternoon. Enjoy the weekend. And before we go, Super Bowl pick. Are you gonna sit on the fence like me, or are you gonna put your cards down and uh, make a selection? No sense uh, sitting on the fence, Remo. Before you're done, <laughs> once once Hacksaw tells you, you know, gives gives you the goods, then you can make your choice at the end of the show. Uh, I just have a tough time. You know, it's. Brady asked for me. Uh, it's I have a tough time betting against Mahomes. I know the 49ers uh, have an excellent team. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. Uh, I know that the, one of the storylines this week coming out of Vegas is how you know embarrassed the San Fran defense was in all the meetings and you know dogging it to the ball. And you know I respect the fact that the Chiefs occasionally have struggled against the run, and that would you know leads you to believe that McCaffrey could have a big day. Uh, but I also think that the Chiefs defense has kind of been underrated all year long. And uh, I do think that they're going to put some pressure on Brock Purdy to, to you know, he does a great job getting the ball out in, in time. Uh, but I think that, you know, guys like Chris Jones uh, could have a big effort. And uh, I just I have a hard time picking against Mahomes. I think it's a, you know, a tight game, field goal wins it or, you know, four point game, whatever it ends up being. Uh, but if Mahomes has the ball in his hands in the last two minutes, uh, I got I'm going to say Chiefs. Uh, by three and a half or whatever the line is. Isn't San Francisco favored? Isn't it like two? Has it changed? Uh, let me just double check that right here. Anyways, Ken, I know you got to go. Yeah. San Anyways, I'll take the Chiefs. Two. I'm I'll taking the Chiefs, Chiefs, but 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 not in a route by any stretch. No, I think it'll be a great I, game. Uh, yeah, it's going to be close. I'm sorry, I'm taking- Connor. I, I, I would love, in my heart, I would love to choose the 49ers, but... Uh, I just in a, in a in a game this tight, uh, I'm I'm taking the the quarterback. You know, some would argue that Purdy had a better year, but uh, I got a hard time picking against the guy who's done it on that big stage already. I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right, Ken. Maybe hey, ha- Hacksaw could might be on your side though. We'll I see. We'll so. see. I hope so. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Have a good weekend, boys. Thank you. Yeah. Th- thanks a lot, Ken. Enjoy your skate uh, this afternoon. There he is, Ken Weeb, Winnipeg Free Press. Weeb's World on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Kenny and Rennie Podcast, where you get your podcasts, and also here on YouTube. Another guy on YouTube here as well, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. It's not a Friday uh, without the saw, and coming in to preview the Super Bowl, the big game, as they call it. I'll bring in Lee uh, just a second here. He's out there in sunny California, or I think it's rainy California. Lee. Are you there? Can you can you hear me? I can hear you. You got me. I got you, Lee. How's it going? How's your Friday? Uh, it's pretty wet. We had nine and a half inches of rain in two weeks here in San Diego. It has it's the atmospheric river conditions here. It's really been something to experience. But uh, get a couple of days dry, and then we get we get another wave of storm. So we've already you know it's it's February. We've already reached our annual limit of rainfall here in San Diego in just the last two weeks. The total, I think it's 9.9 inches of rain now in two weeks. So, hey, I'm ready for NFL football. Are you ready for for football? And I assume because you're in the anchor's chair, the Kansas City Chief fan is being the Kansas City Chief fan. Is he at the Super Bowl? No, he's in uh, a wedding in Mexico, and he's been saying all season, you know, at least, you know, this isn't the Chiefs' year. They're not going to be in the Super Bowl if he wanted to go down. Uh, to Vegas or something, so he'll be uh, getting some sun 
uh, watching the game. Maybe poolside. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the plans. We'll have to get some reaction either way next week. But uh, you know, I want to talk about the Night of Honors last night. But we can get into the big game. Some great matchups here. I think both quarterbacks going head to head. But talked a lot about that. How about the head coaches, Andy Reid, uh, again in the Super Bowl and. Kyle Shanahan, he's had a couple of cracks at it before, hasn't come out with the big win. What do you make of this uh, head coaching matchup, but also uh, the big uh, defensive coordinator matchup as well with uh, Spagnolo and, and Wilkes? Well, let's start with the head coaches. He reads a mad scientist. It's so hard to win in postseason. His career record in the playoffs is 24 and 16. Think about that. It's an amazing statistic. And when you get to the playoffs against Andy Reid, when you get to the Super Bowl against Andy Reid, I guarantee you one thing, not just that Mahomes will show up and they'll compete and they'll be fast. He's going to throw formations at San Francisco's defense that they've never seen before. And every time Frisco may do something, maybe they double Kelsey, he's going to throw to the tight ends on the other side, Watson and Gray. He runs motion. He's going to, I think in this game, he is going to move his quarterback a little bit to create the threat that Mahomes is going to run the football, which in essence is going to slow down the bit of the pass rush. And I guarantee you, they're going to probably go tempo a bunch of times just to try to wear out that very physical force defense that San Francisco has. Um, they're just methodical now. Now, this is not the Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes offense that we've seen in the past. They've become much more patient, much more methodical. You know, under Tyree Kill and some of the guys have had in, in recent years, you know, their whole life was chunk plays. Here comes a 30-yarder. Here's a 48-yarder. Here's a 62-yard run after the catch. That's not happening right now. What they're doing is they're just methodically going down the field, throwing the football. And if it's if it's eight yards to Kelsey or if it's 12 yards to Kelsey or if it's nine yards to the other tight end, and then they'll run Pacheco in there, they're just methodically going down the field. They said that's what I've judged the back half of the schedule. And they've quit turning the football over. Um, I think last week I, I told Hustler uh, the, the favorite phrase, I think, for Patrick Mahomes right now is, who can I trust? Well, the only guys he can really trust, obviously, is Travis Kelsey and the young wide receiver, Rishi Rice. They've just pretty much stopped trying to distribute the football to anybody else because all those guys first half of the season were running the wrong routes and dropping passes. So Reed's a mad scientist. San Francisco's playbook, probably right on the cover of the playbook, is a sledgehammer. That's what they do. They're going to run it, and they're going to pound it with McCaffrey, and they're going to bust some big plays along the way, but they just want to beat you up, and that's who they are, and that's who Shanahan is, and that's that's what he's done so many other places. Now, he's got a bit of a, a history wrapped around his neck here of postseason failure. You know, he was the coordinator in that 28-3 Atlanta blown playoff game to New England and he lost it. He lost another playoff game and he's lost a Super Bowl. So he's got some things that obviously people are asking him about, but what they're going to do is, is they're going to do some creative juice stuff too, Remo. Uh, they're going to run jet sweeps and they, they do that with Ayuk and they do that with Debo Samuel. And they're going to try to create some movement in that Kansas city defense. Cause those guys will be chasing the guys that are running the jet sweeps behind the line of scrimmage when they go to motion. So I think you're going to see, a lot more motion from San Francisco, but these these are two really good, but very, very, very different uh, head coaches. Now, you mentioned the coordinators. Steve Spagnuolo has just evolved as a coordinator. What they're doing in Kansas City, because now they have athletes who can run at virtually every position. They are blitzing from everywhere. 
and they blitzed Lamar Jackson into submission. And prior to that, they blitzed the Daylights and really got Josh Allen out of sync, and they just tore apart Tua in Miami. They're 3-0, and not just because of Mahomes. They're 3-0 and because the defense is, is getting things done. They got 67 quarterback sacks, uh, enormous pressure. I think their whole thing is to try to get Purdy off his spot, make him uncomfortable, make him move the pocket, because then some of his accuracy goes away, or then you're making him having to make the decision, am I going to try to throw it or am I going to try to run it? I think Purdy's going to have his hands full because he's so young and so inexperienced. And you got Reed and Spagnolo been here before. I, I think that's going to be a challenge. Um, I, I, I think in terms of San Francisco's defense, it's just not the same team right now that it was early in the year. You know, they had the great start, and they lost three in a row. And, boy, they didn't look right. And now in these playoff games, they've been in the hole each of the last two games. You know, they let Detroit run for 182 on them. And luckily, they came from behind and won that one. And prior to that, Jordan Love threw for like 272 when they played Green Bay, and they had to come from behind to win that playoff game. I'll be intrigued to see. San Francisco's success has been built on the zone. You saw what Mahomes did in that AFC championship game. They dismembered Baltimore's zone defense. So what does Wilkes do? Does he try to continue to play zone, knowing that Mahomes and Kelsey tore up Baltimore zone? Or do they come out of character and start blitzing and pressuring and make Mahomes try to move, move the pocket? So this is a big chess match as to what Reed's going to do. I think I know what's going to happen with San Francisco's offense. We know what Spagnuolo does because look at the success rate. Now what does Wilkes do to be different to make San Francisco better? So that, that's a long answer to your first question, but – those are the coaches. I, I think the coaching matchups and the play calls, Remo, are just, they're going to be fun. I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Yeah, Andy Reid, I mean, he's already a Hall of Fame coach. He can go up there with another uh, Super Bowl. I remember, you know, back with he was at the Eagles, he was the guy who couldn't win the big game, losing four straight to NFC championships. And Spagnolo, I mean, you may remember, he was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants when they shut down uh, Tom Brady at the 07 Patriots, one of the best teams of all time. So I'm curious what's going to happen here. And I agree with the Chiefs. They basically only have three guys. You know where the ball's going, as you said. Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rashi Rice. Can they shut those guys down? It seems like to me um, San Francisco's got the more varied offense. You know, you've got Debo, Christian McCaffrey, and Ayuk and, and Kittle. I don't know how you feel the offense's uh, stack up. It's just so hard for Jack Dame to go against Patrick Mahomes. He's, I mean, he's he's excellent. That's all all you can really say uh, say about that. I don't know how you see the two, uh, the you know QB matchup and the offensive uh, offenses matching up. Well, San Francisco's got a great offense. There's no doubt about it. But part of that offense, I mean, you can't run McCaffrey 40 times. Part of that offense is going to be predicated on Purdy and what Purdy does and what Purdy reads at the line of scrimmage and pre-snap reads and where they're sending guys from Kansas City and is it going to be Sneed? Is it going to be Tranquil, the linebacker? Where's the blitz coming? Because I, I think the stat that I remember is in the Baltimore game, they blitzed Lamar Jackson 68% of his dropbacks. 68%. And Lamar in that game only completed 54% of his passes in that playoff game by virtue of the splits. And when he had to stay in the pocket, when he had to stand in there with all the people around him, he completed only 47% of his pass. And that's a veteran great quarterback. So now, now, Remo, what you got, you got a quarterback's got a year and a half into his career, and he's going to be facing all these dynamics that Spagnuolo's sending. 
who's coming and where they're coming from and do I believe my pre-snap read and uh-oh, it's fascinating. There's no doubt San Francisco has got just tons of firepower. Uh, a couple other quick stats. We talked extensively about Mahomes. He's 14-3 and three in postseason. Think about that. 37 touchdowns, only nine interceptions remote in the most important part of the season, the playoffs. Brock Purdy in these two playoff games, quarterback rating is 87. His ability to go down the field and make big plays, it's not quite there postseason, and now he's in the Super Bowl having to do it. So oh, there's so many storylines by the checklist. You, you can't believe the stuff that's out there that you need to pay attention to. It's going to be fun. I think it's, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Yeah, I've seen Patrick Mahomes' numbers over, what, 16 playoff games where he's played him and Kelsey. I mean, elite, elite MVP-type numbers from them when you combine all their playoff games. You got a pick before we move on to uh, the Night of Honors? You going to make a selection here on this one? You're asking a talk show host if he has any opinions? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, great game. I just think there's, a, there's just too much experience, expertise on the Mahomes side, coupled with, with the, the mad scientist that his coaches and what they're going to do from a formation standpoint. They'll throw junk at Frisco that San Francisco's never seen before. I, I'm picking Kansas City maybe to the tune of 31-23. Wild card piece of this conversation should be the field goal kickers. Harrison Butker is, I think, 40 of 42 on field goals. He's really good. And this young guy, Jake Moody, the rookie out of Michigan, he's a little hot and cold. He's missed seven kicks this year, including field goals and point afters in the playoffs. And it's the biggest stage in the world. Is this stage, the Super Bowl, a little bit too much for him? So, you know, Butker's going to kick some field goals. Will Moody be able to convert his? Because they're going to have to kick some, too. And moving on from, we'll wrap this up. It was the Night of Honors last night. A lot of eyes on the awards. I think not much of a surprise there. MVP, Lamar Jackson, Offensive Player of the Year. McCaffrey, anything stand out for you there? Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, and Coach of the Year, Stefanski, if you want to touch on those. And also, you can't forget Joe Flacco as a comeback player. Of the year, exceptional, a couple games well, there with in, Cleveland. In terms of uh, the MVP, I was a little surprised Lamar got 49 of the 50 votes. That surprised me because that to me is a disservice of the greatness of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, the only other first place vote was Josh Allen. He finished fifth in the balloting overall. I'm a little surprised Lamar got as many as he did. Uh, MVP, uh, offense, obviously, McCaffrey. I mean, we had 2,200 plus all purpose yards and 25 touchdowns. On the season, you know, that that's why he winds up getting that. Uh, the Stefanski coach of the year thing, yes, he overcame all that adversity. You lose Nick Chubb, you lose Deshaun Watson. Uh, Miles Garrett missed a chunk of the middle of the season with injuries, and they did get to the playoffs. Geez, nobody paid any attention to what D'Amico Ryans did in Houston. I mean, he took that thing from ground zero from the basement floor and got them into the playoffs with a totally rebuilt roster and two number one draft picks who became the rookies of the year, both sides of the ball. I thought D'Amico Ryans probably should have gotten more votes. He would have gotten my vote if I had a vote here in San Diego. But uh, overall, that was, you know, there were a lot of great players in the league, and obviously guys had some great seasons. I would have voted for D'Amico Ryans over Stefanski just based on where they started and what happened during the course of that one. Yeah, C.J. Stroud also uh, getting rookie of the year as well. And Hall of Fame, we'll have to debate who's in. Who's out? Uh, modern players, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, 
Patrick Willis, I think all pretty deserving candidates. Uh, they have him listed as what the senior category, Steve Mongo McMichael and Randy Gratishar. The one player didn't get in, Lee, and I know you can speak to this, Antonio Gates, one of the best tight ends ever. Uh, big snub for Antonio Gates, but you have to think he's getting in next try, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, in, in terms of the Hall of Fame, there's a tinge of sadness here. Steve McMichael's a legendary anchor with William Perry on the Bears, Super Bowl defense with Mike Ditka. Uh, he's dying of ALS, and I don't even know if he'll make it to the ceremony. So there's, there's a tinge of sadness there because he gave his life to the NFL. He played 13 years in the trenches, and unfortunately, football's going to wind up taking his life. So there, there's a bit of sadness there. Um, each of these guys is really good. The pass rushers are unique. Peppers was such a monster specimen. Freeney did it on skill and speed. Uh, I really like Dwight Freeney. Talk about being a, quote, self-made man. He was kind of an undersized real defensive end. But, boy, he got shot out of a cannon coming across that line of scrimmage. Wide receivers, uh, Andre Johnson, big and physical. I don't know if he ever got the true coast-to-coast recognition he deserved because he played down in Houston. Uh, Reggie Wayne was just slick, uh, really, really good. Uh, Patrick Willis, just a warrior. Uh, that's not a sexy position, inside linebacker, but boy, did he play inside linebacker like the Mike Singletary's and way back in the day, uh, the Dick Butkuses of the world. The Gates situation, I was disappointed. That's not a position that's got neon lights wrapped around it. But, uh, dude, you catch 116 touchdowns in 16 years in the NFL, and you play all the time he played hurt. He was, you know, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid. He was part of Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, uh, character Ladanian Tomlinson. It's a shame those guys never got to the Super Bowl. And, and those those are three spectacular offensive players. But I think Gates, Gates will be the first tight end off the board. And next year's class is not as deep. I would think Gates probably gets more consideration next time around. But really good man. And most the most amazing thing is he never played college football. He was a power forward basketball player at Kent State. Who's on the brink of going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton? And on his driver's license, it says 116 touchdowns in 16 years. I don't think we'll ever. Apologies to Travis Kelsey. I think we'll ever see that again from a tight end. Yeah, I love to watch. They used to call him uh, emerging star Antonio Gates. Uh, I think in his couple seasons, he mentioned every broadcast. Yes, he played basketball at Kent State, and those Charger teams were so great. Ran into the Patriots one year, and I think ran into the Jets, and uh, with the nakating missed field goal, I won't for, forget that one. Love those Charger teams. But, Lee, uh, appreciate you coming on, and I uh, want to plug uh, where people can find you. Lee, ha- here, you, I'll let you, you go ahead. You can mention it. Well, we got a website. I've had it for 15 years. It's all written. Every day of the week, there's something new on it. You like sports, check it every morning. Subscribe so you'll get the notifications when we post. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And we just started a podcast about a year ago, and that thing's exploded. We're on all the social networks, and, uh, you know, you can subscribe to that. It's absolutely free, uh, and you'll get notifications. We do bonus podcasts on Monday. Uh, we do th- regular Thursday podcasts, you know, in addition to everything I'm writing. So I know we got some Canadian followers who come off your show and go to my podcast, but it's up there on the YouTube channel anytime. Take it and subscribe and follow. Yeah, we'll have to tune in Monday uh, after our show. We can watch your show to see your thoughts 
on the Super Bowl. And check out Lee on Instagram. Love your uh, your minute reels there. Uh, it's awesome to see. So thank you so much, Lee. And I can't wait to catch up next week and talk about the big game. Good to talk to you, Mikey. And uh, we'll wait to see what Hustle's got to say coming back from Mexico. What kind of mood he's in after the Chiefs beat the 49ers. Perfect. There he is, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton at Hacksaw1090 on X, formerly known as Twitter. Oh, Connors, we, okay, we haven't really touched on the Bombers here, but um, well, here I'm, before we, we'll get into some, uh, I guess, I don't know, breaking Bomber news, well, I'll mention right now, Connor sending to me that Jackson Jeffcoat saying goodbye to Winnipeg and goodbye to the Bombers. We kind of uh, heard about that. I haven't had a chance to check this out, but that's Paul Friesen with that right now on X, formerly known as Twitter, and and if you are maybe just listening, not watching, the marble race is open. Exclamation mark marbles in chat. Uh, we'll get to a good track today and get in. We'll give away a WST hoodie. Some other housekeeping. Um, oh, yeah, we're giving away a pair of Manitoba Moose tickets on our website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. We'll give those away next week. It's to the Saturday, February uh, 9-17 game. That's 2 p.m. start time. And if you want to get notified of more goings-on with Winnipeg Sports Talk, just go to our website, winnipegsportstalk.com, and sign up for our mailing list. We have some AEW uh, tickets we'll be giving away until that show on April 10. And, you know, whatever events that we may have, we do have that whiskey. I think there's like two tickets left. Uh, that is a, the whiskey link at the top of winnipegsportstalk.com or in the description of this video or this podcast if you're listening on podcast. We did have some big bombers news this week. Brady Oliveira signing a two-year deal. Dalton's shown as well. We didn't think it could be done. Both of them, Kyle Walters gets it done. And Dalton's shown spoke to the media on a conference, on a Zoom call, talking about the free agency process and shout out to bluebombers.com for uh, this video you know there's definitely always that thought um in the back of my mind that you know obviously winnipeg is where i wanted to be um and so you know that was kind of my thought process the whole way along but uh right in the start of the off season you know obviously there was some stuff with uh nfl stuff that my agent he had to do his uh, due diligence and look into all of those options as well um because there was some interest on that front and then i'd say probably few weeks ago we started getting into you know really serious talks of like you know winnipeg's where we want to be and stuff like that um i would have liked to get it done before the window just to to not have to deal with that and you know open the door to all those conversations and stuff like that um unfortunately we weren't able to get it done before the window opened which is fine um and so you know that obviously on sunday morning opened up to get to talk to all the teams in the league um there's a significant amount of interest from a handful of teams around the league. And so there was a lot of conversations had with, you know, coaches, GMs, offensive coordinators, stuff like that. Um, and I think, you know, after the first couple of days of, of that process, I, I really looked at the whole picture, um, you know, what other teams were telling me what they could offer, how I would fit in and stuff like that. And I think the, the main overarching thing was, you know, Winnipeg is where I wanted to be. We have such a good culture. Um, it's just such a good fit. I know how I can contribute to the team offensively. I love the guys in the locker room. And so, Ultimately, that was where I wanted to be, and so we were able to make it happen then. There he is, Dalton Schoen, on uh, the free agency process as he wanted to be in Winnipeg, but he did go through that negotiation period where the legal tampering, as they call it, I think the CFL official term, negotiation window, where he can talk with other teams, but 
eventually decided on the to come back with the Bombers for a one-year contract, and here's shown on his negotiation window experience. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting process, like you just said. I mean, Sunday morning, about noon, your phone just starts ringing and doesn't stop. Um, I think as far as, you know, the the money and the numbers, I, I kind of left that more up to my agent, and he did, he did a great job, you know, talking with all the teams and, you know, kind of controlling that side of things and his conversation more with the GMs. And I would say my personal conversations was more with the coaches of teams, you know, offensive coordinators, how they how they thought I could fit in with their offense and, you know, with coaches, you know, what, what their culture is like and stuff like that. And I, I think my biggest takeaway was as I was having those conversations, they were all selling me on the fact that they, they could provide what I know I already had in Winnipeg, which is that great team culture, which is that great offense, you know, getting to play with Zach, the, the best quarterback in the league when they're talking about their own quarterbacks and stuff like that. And so those conversations were, were, were nice. You know, it, it's nice to to be wanted and have teams be interested in you. I, I was talking to some guys who were also going through this process. I, I think that's the first time in my career where I've truly been recruited at a high scale like that. You know, I, I went to K-State as a walk-on. I entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent. I come up to Canada with 15 other rookie receivers looking for one job. Um, and so to be here now and have all these people pursuing after you is a cool feeling. Um, but yeah, ultimately it just seemed like the, the common message was teams were, were t- trying to tell me they could provide what, what I knew I already had. And so when it got down to the, the crunch time and, you know, me making my decision, the, the financials from other people wasn't significant enough to me to, to give up what I have here in Winnipeg. Some nice words there from Dalton Schoen, and he did expand a bit on on wanting to be in the best spot for him, which he felt was here with the Blue Bombers. I wanted to be in the in the best spot for me, both financially and situationally. And so I was really grateful and pumped that we were able to to meet that decision and that compromise with the team. Um, and, you know, I'm never going to fault a guy for, for taking more money if they can, you know, secure their financial future somewhere else. Um, but like I said, for me, when I was looking at the whole picture with with, with the teams who were interested and in, in with Winnipeg, there just wasn't, um, I guess, it, it, the the money wasn't significant enough for me to give up the, the great situation I have here. And so I was happy to get it done. Yeah. Nice to hear from Dalton Schoen. As he said, what a great story. As he said, walk on on K-State, undrafted to the NFL. And it's beat out, what, 15 guys for a start at the Bombers and in his rookie season, uh, what led the league. And receiving. Um, what a great story. And he's been an awesome player and awesome to watch him. And it's going to be great to see this receiving group this upcoming season with Kenny Lawler, Nick Dembski, Drew Walterski, Rashid Bailey remains unsigned. And he's on um, Marshall Ferguson's top what, list of uh, available free agents. Although we did have a news on another Bombers free agent, Jackson Jeff. Go I'll bring in Connor Rabchek. Connor, how's it going over there? Nice to have you back. Good to have someone else to, uh, as Hustle would say, Ch- chop it up with uh, over here in Winnipeg Sports Talk. But yes, Paul Friesen of the Winnipeg Sun reporting that in an exclusive interview, Jackson Jeffcoat to- told him that he is retiring. Um, quote, Jeff, uh, Jeffcoat said, quote, in negotiations, it doesn't always go the way you want. If there comes a time when I don't feel the respect is mutual, then we might go our separate ways. And Paul Friesen writing, after hearing almost nothing from the Bombers this offseason, Jeff Coat on Friday told me he's retiring from football at age 33. Jeff Coat um, has other like opportunities. Uh, he said he's at peace with where he at where he left his football career. Um, I believe at the end of article here, Friesen wrote that he's going to 
pursue commercial real estate or insurance. Yeah. So um, obviously a great cup champion. I mean, uh, one of the biggest reasons why the Bombers had such a good pass rush in those years that they won the great cup and a big reason why they were able to get back um, and a tough loss for the Bombers, but clearly the market wasn't there and Jeff Coat was okay with stepping away from football. So some, some breaking news, but maybe not, maybe don't get the goal horn out. This isn't, this isn't uh, the happy uh, breaking news that we wanted to hear on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Wow, I was hoping we'd still get to see him with another team in the CFL. You know, probably had some offers. He's battled injuries the last couple seasons, but when he's on the field, certainly an impact player. Him and Willie Jefferson uh, rushing the quarterback. That's a, a tough one-two punch. And um, Paul Friesen with the breaking news, that's in the Winnipeg Sun. So uh, check that out. Big fans of Jackson, who's always nice when he came on. Uh, he came on uh, with his dogs as well. He came on the show from the car driving around Austin. And, yes, he mentioned he's been getting into commercial real estate. That's going back a couple of years. Uh, I remember he came on uh, the old station, uh, which is the three-year anniversary of that, sta- of that station ending today. But he came on and talked with us about his interest in that field. So wishing uh, Jackson Jeffcoat uh, all the best uh, moving forward. And here. We move on. Connor, we'll head up the uh, cool bet lines here. Yes, lots to lots of cool bet lines to get to in terms of the Super Bowl. Um, Hustler kind of talked about his favorite post game. Ruicky made a funny comment there about you know going back and studying what Mahomes says after yeah. his multiple Super Bowl wins that he's just yeah. Uh, anyways, um, a lot of fun props uh, I will say that are just. Uh, unique to the Super Bowl. You know, you can't bet on Anthem time in any other game. You can't bet on Gatorade color in any other game. So gets a lot of people into it. And like you said earlier in the program, I also do like an Excel prop bet sheet that I bring to my Super Bowl parties, get everyone to throw in five, 10 bucks and uh, winner gets the pot. It's it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, I some people do Super Bowl squares. I've never done that. I think that's really popular. I don't actually even know what that is. I've saw some people just like betting on like first touchdown or something. And you do like a draft uh, for that. But I think the prop pool is fun. Looking forward to the halftime show. Usher. Uh, I know my wife is very excited uh, for Usher. I don't know if they have what first song on here or number, number of songs. Um, but yeah, the, I like the Gatorade we were watching that we're doing the coin toss excited for heads and tails. The anthem time is always big. Everyone's got their stopwatch. I believe Reba, Reba McIntyre this year. I haven't gone back and analyzed, but so many different. Pro- I don't know if you've got got any any pick here. I guess you know we heard Hustler. He's the Chiefs guy. You got Forty ers So what are you? What do you got? McCaffrey yeah. over receptions. I saw Debo's receptions was like four and a half, which I seemed low to me for for him. Yeah, that that does. I mean, I think he he's going to get carries as well. Like I said earlier in the program, I think and and like Lee said, uh, they're just going to run the crap out of the football. So whether that's Debo, McCaffrey, IU, whoever that might be, they're just going to run it. Uh, so maybe receiving props. I I find that a little dicey. I do like like I said, McCaffrey as Super Bowl MVP if the Niners win, which means I also like McCaffrey to score, maybe even to score twice. Uh, his over and rushing yards. Um, and then when you get to the props, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a favorite prop. Um, I will say the, the anthem is, is pretty fun kind of counting that down. And then the halftime, 
Um, click on the halftime one there, Remo, if, if you have it open, because I do want to look at uh, if they have the first song for Usher. That's always a, uh, it's near the bottom there, bottom row. Oh, halftime there. Yeah. I was wondering if they had, yeah. they only said was going to be wearing sunglasses. Oh, yes. You think but yes, like, yes is minus two fifty. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was wearing sunglasses in a lot of his like interviews. They're they're doing all this pre halftime show, road to Super Bowl interviews, mm-hmm. and he's wearing sunglasses. And it's Usher, like you know, I, I think he'll be wearing. But yeah, all right. Well, people and a lot of people making fun of me in the chat are saying, "What did you bring to the Super Bowl party?" I brought a Excel spreadsheet. Hey, man, you got to have the games. I will say I spent most of the game inputting everyone's picks and keeping track of them. I felt. Thankfully, I found a website to do that uh, for me now. It was something I had looked for for years. But we talked about the Super Bowl. A bunch of a couple games on the NHL schedule tonight. If you want to do some pre-scouting on the Jets' opponent tomorrow, Pittsburgh is in Minnesota. Alex Nedeljkovic starting for the Penguins. Minus 130 favorites. Uh, a bit surprised there. They're, they're favorites. Maybe you want to go with the home dogs. Um, the Rangers, minus 291 over Chicago, who is not good. They don't know since uh, Connor Bedard got injured. They've been getting outshot pretty heavily. Although, they're pretty, pretty scrappy. They hang into these games, but do ultimately lose. And Edmonton looks to start a new streak in Anaheim. Minus 279 favorites. I don't know if you got any thoughts on tonight's game. No, I mean, the Wild, I feel like they've been playing a little bit better as of late. Obviously, they just claimed Declan Chisholm. I, he didn't play their other yeah, game this week. I don't, I think, don't he's think he's in. in the lineup. No, he's he went from one press box to another um, from Winnipeg to Minnesota. I, I thought Pittsburgh looked great against Winnipeg, but obviously the Jets have lost five straight. So how much of that was on Pittsburgh? How much of it was um, the Jets in a funk? And then the other two games, I mean, it's hard not to pick the heavy, heavy favorites, especially since, yeah, the Blackhawks, I think they scored 11 goals in their last 11 games. Like, it's not going well over there, uh, especially without Bedard. And then the Oilers, it just feels like, even though they lost, they're, they're going to roll the Ducks. I mean, they, they, they're they fresh off of 16 straight wins. They beat bad teams uh, handily. That's that's what That's what powered them to 16 straight wins. They beat a lot of bad teams in that winning streak. Um, and and by big scores, so maybe the Oilers to win by uh, on the puck line might by more than a goal. But Ooh. outside of that, um, yeah, hard not to go with the heavy heavy favorites. Yeah, I'm looking at. I like to look at the money puck percentages, chances of winning. They got uh, the Rangers who are starting Shesterkin. No goalie controversy there with John Quick taking the last couple seventy point two percent, and they have the Oilers as well at. 70.2. A lot of people have thoughts on this Oilers streak, especially in our chat saying it's not a real 16-game winning streak. They just beat up on uh, non-playoff teams. Look, if you go and win 16 in a row is 16 in a row. That's pretty tough to do. So I think it's impressive. I think you can acknowledge that yeah, maybe they didn't play like some of the top teams and they played a top Vegas team and lost. But I, I think you got to be impressed. The way they came back after we were saying they were done. Uh, at the time when they fired the coach. So what a turnaround uh, for the Oilers there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, like they, they beat bad teams and, and beat them by, by a lot, but that's what you're supposed to do when you're a good team. And this feels like everyone knew the Oilers coming into the year were a good team. And then they started slow because of some goaltending issues and, and bad bounces here and there. And then when they go on this run, you can't then go back. Like, I I, I don't know. It's a weird discourse because 
going into the year, they're a cup favorite. They start out slow. Everyone's like, oh, are they bad? And then they win 16 straight, and it's like, oh, are they good? And it's like, maybe they were just good all along and, and got pretty unlucky to start in their goaltending. Stuart Skinner has done a complete 180. He was one of the worst goaltenders in the league in that first 15-game stretch. Now he's one of the best, or he has been over this winning streak. Um, so yeah, the Oilers back to being contenders in the West. We knew it wasn't going to last at the start. A team with McDavid and Drysaddle, they're not going to be outside of the playoffs looking in. Um, now they're pushing for the two seed in that division. Like they're them, Vegas uh, are right there. Vancouver's kind of pulling away with the one seed, but Edmonton has as good of a shot as anyone in that division to have home ice advantage after the start they had, which is crazy, crazy to think of. We were all laughing at the Oilers. I wanted to see them lose. We were tuning into Edmonton Sports Talk post game. They had tons of yeah. people there after that loss to San Jose. I'll never forget that, but uh, they have certainly uh, turned it around there in Edmonton. All right, we're going to start up the marble race, but Connor, you know, Monday, Monday morning, it comes out here on our YouTube channel and on podcast very late on Sunday, Jets Weekly, doing a great job hosting that. Man, how are you feeling about Thank this you. week's Jets Weekly? What if the Jets go, have they ever gone 0-3 on a Jets Weekly? They went. So the week before the All-Star break, they went 0-3 as well. Boston and Toronto twice. And uh, I joked to both you and Huss at the Winnipeg Sports Talk night against Toronto. But that night was the most important game for, for Winnipeg Jets Weekly all season long because I hadn't talked about an 0-3 week up until that point. It was the Leafs. It's just naturally a bigger game. And I'm like, if they lose all three, no one's going to want to watch. Now here we are again, another big Saturday game. Hockey Night in Canada, Sidney Crosby, and uh, the Jets have a chance to go 0-3 again. And uh, yeah, selfishly, I, I want them to win so that more people are wanting to relive the game through Winnipeg Jets Weekly. Um, but yeah, it's it's been rough. I don't know how I'm going to pick the three stars if they lay another egg offensively. I guess Kyle Connor is the leader for three stars right now. He's the only guy with a goal. Um, yeah, but outside of that, <laughs> outside of that, um, yeah, big game tomorrow night for Winnipeg Jets Weekly. But stay tuned for that Monday morning. I'll be doing that early Sunday um, and have it ready and done, so I don't have to worry about it uh, after the Super Bowl. But yeah, stay tuned for that Monday morning. It's going to be fun. Last week, just talked about the Monahan trade. If you want to go back and get my thoughts on that, but yeah, finally some games to talk about, and hopefully not another zero and three stretch. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Check out, uh, yeah. Jet, we got some good videos on the channel. Uh, your Monahan one, yeah, it's up there. And uh, interview with Dennis last week, if you missed that. And you did some great trade targets as well, which we posted last week. You put that together. And yes, Elias Lindholm was number one on the list, and then got traded that night after uh, yep. we posted it. So make sure subscribe to the channel. Uh, and turn on the notifications so it does give you a little alert when we upload uh, new content. We do have 400 people in chat. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. If you're new, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily here Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central Time. We got over 200 likes. That is so awesome to see. Every time you you know hit the thumbs up or you're watching after and want to leave a comment on your concern level with the Jets, do that. It tells YouTube, hey, we're putting out some good content. Maybe it'll show it. To more people, we're uh, so dependent on the the over the algorithm overlord on uh, show, showing it, uh, making sure their stuff gets shown and telling it, you know, hey, you like it, man, maybe that helps us out a little. But it is Friday, 
it is time for the marble race. So this is the final call, exclamation mark marbles. The winner of the race will get a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. I'm looking forward to trying my best here at play-by-play. And it's not a marble race without Tristan Rivers. And uh, here it is, Tristan Rivers. Hit the music. It's Friday. Another week of words gone by. You deserve to treat yourself. Maybe ice cream can go find a ride. Oh, the whole day in. So that's you can't deny. Why use effort even for pleasure? Give up That's the great Tristan Rivers. Very well done. I picked the ACDC theme. I keep seeing rumors about an ACDC reunion tour. Uh, we'll see what happens. Last, I think the last one with Axl Rose took over for Brian Johnson, but I think it's Brian Johnson and, and Angus and some others. So I'm curious if that's going to happen. I keep seeing Bon Jovi, but he's going to go back solo. All these classic rock acts coming back for one more time and i don't know if we'll get any of those here but maybe you can go out and and see him connor we're bringing up the marble you do have to mention connor you're gonna be doing up uh i gotta send you some stuff for our newsletter yes. comes out every weekend if you're here maybe you miss something from earlier in the week um we talked yeah. with uh teddy allen from the sea bears that was a great conversation greg button yesterday so go to our website winnipegsportstalk.com sign up for that newsletter and we'll tell you some of the best stuff you missed so we got that going on yeah yeah subscribe to the newsletter and uh one thing on the the rock acts coming back um maybe it's because they see the the prices of concerts nowadays and they're like wow we we can really jump on this and uh and make some some easy money because uh concerts are I I love Chris Stapleton and I, 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 you know, I missed out on the pre-sale. I I guess maybe that was my first mistake, but if you go look right now at Ticketmaster for like verified resale tickets, Stapleton, I think it's in the four hundreds and I'm like, that's Winnipeg. Yes. In Winnipeg. And I just think that that's, that's nuts. So when I hear all these like old bands that are, you know, doing a last tour, coming back um, for one farewell tour, or whatever. I'm not surprised at all because I guess people are gonna pay four hundred dollars, or or they think people are gonna pay three hundred plus to to see them. So I, I'm not shocked at that news, actually. Yeah, a couple coming here next week: City and Color with Nathaniel Ratliff. I'm actually interested in that. I probably won't end up going, but Pantera. If you want to go on uh, February 16. <laughs> Who else is coming here? I know you're going to uh, Noah Khan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ice Cube. So there's some, definitely are uh, some shows coming up either at the the Bird. I got tickets, Queens of the Stone Age. I got tickets to that one. 
uh, seen them a couple times actually. So uh, someone said to me, "Hey, you want to go?" And I said, "All right, if we got a group, I'm in." But yeah, I used to pay like a hundred bucks was like the most, and I remember I paid like a hundred fifty for like Van Halen and Cool and the Gang like 2014. But since then, it's especially since the pandemic, uh, gone up like crazy. Uh, so Staple Stapleton, um, yeah. Verified resale lowest price three hundred forty in section three hundred four row seven and like the the building's basically sold out so these are like the last couple tickets that people are selling but three hundred I I love like I said I love Chris Stapleton but three hundred forty dollars for one ticket is ridiculous it's un, like yeah I don't I I, I don't know I'm trying but, to think the most that I've paid uh, for a show I don't know if I've ever gotten. If I've ever gotten that high, but here we got the list of marbles, yeah. 259 marbles in the race. Uh, yeah. Got to add some. There's do a I? lot of news this week. Oh yeah. Oliveira, Sean. Sure. We'll do Brady Oliveira, Dalton, Sean, and Teddy Allen of the Seabears re-signing. Great yeah. conversation with him and Hustler. Did uh, we do a... Uh... A Super Bowl, like a, a Purdy and Mahomes? No. As well? No. no, no too, too not, okay. I'm not doing I'm <laughs> capping it. I'm doing three. That's too far out there. Two, they're, yeah. they're never going to get their WST hood. Yeah, people get mad. Uh, people get mad when uh, the, and the, you know, the ones I put in win. So I don't want that, that to happen. And people are getting mad I, that we haven't you know, we played the song, haven't started the Marvels, but hey, I'm just here by myself. I got to do it all. I'm going to save the file. <laughs> Well, first, I had to get mad about concert ticket prices. Uh, yeah. So I guess we're all just angry here. Yeah, right? There you go. <laughs> Everyone's chiming in on the concert. On the, that's just what it is. They don't make money from right. album sales anymore. So got to yeah. do it from the live shows and uh, the merch. So here we go. Loading yeah. the marble. I got to pick a track. I haven't done this one for a while. Um, the Temple of Steve, or should I do the classic, the Dojo? I haven't really had any time to test. It's been a wild morning for me here. Go for it. Go with a classic. The te- Marble. Where's which one do I like? The Dojo, or is the Dojo not that good? Uh, let me pick one here. Sorry, I'm going through the list. Uh, I said I would do Temple of Steve. That's a good one. People are wanting Let's do it. Two hundred eighteen. Uh, sorry, I got 262 marbles in the race. That's pretty good. Make it, oh, wait, wait. Let me make sure I got, I got the right. I'm pumped. got to get my play-by-play on for this one. And yeah, I will say, the Super... Back. Yeah, speaking of uh, play-by-play, the Super Bowl this weekend, I'm actually going to be tuned into the Nickelodeon broadcast i love uh noah eagle i and eagle son does the call yeah they got slime they got spongebob big fan of the nickel they used to do it for the wild card games but now it is uh they're doing it for the super bowl and what they did the toy story broadcast earlier this year i thought that was super cool and uh and now and now they're doing it for the super bowl. sorry anyways let's drop it uh the entries are closed we're still here and let's drop the marbles. Here we go. Three, two, one. Everyone, drop your uh, marble emoji. Dave Cohen, does Millie Vanilli still tour? No. Um, they do have the documentary. There's also one other music documentary on the 
Oh, We Are the World song, which I need to watch. Uh, that is a classic uh, 80s one. Rima, can we make It's too late. Make an exception. I didn't see. Look, I'm, I'm hosting the show and doing the show, but we're off. Uh, Val George in first place going around this figure eight. Uh, Val George, Julian, Rick Stockley making their way through the funnel, through this figure eight. Uh, it's anyone's race at this point. Uh, there it is, Val June. They're going through this uh, swingy gate thing. Rick's under. He's in first. Rob Wright is in there. They're ahead, and there's a big pack behind them down the slide into this, uh, I don't know, parkade circle thing. They're making their way. Rick and Rob on one side. There's Greg Hasbeek. He's in there as well. Going through this windy staircase-style ramp. Uh, it is Rick, but I think it's anyone's game. Who's going to come out first down the chute? We're going to take a little view here. Uh, and it is Rick and Rob, double R. Greg Hasby, Mitch. And boom, boom, boom. There's Rick and Rob. They're getting banged around by that swinging thing, and Rick's got a lead, but bravo, Bry! He's shot ahead. There's Dalton Schoen in third place. I see Evan Hunter in there as well. They're coming down to the wire. You know it's Temple of Steve. This is how it ends. we got the platform at the bottom going back and forth. Who is going to land on it? Anyone's game. Uh, anyone's in the mix here. I see Amy Weeb in there. Dallas Pauls. Rick Stockley there. Bye-bye, Dallas. But no one's fallen through quite yet. I see Bravo Bry in there. No one is hitting it. Oh, Cluster Buster. First one, Cluster Fuster in first, Lisa Foster, Gene Okerlund, Dennis Mayuga, Cigars for Everyone, Hockey Mom, Royal Sports Team Sales, your boy Mitch, son of Dirk and Uncle Dizzo. It was quite a bloodbath there at the end, but it was Cluster Fuster in first place. That's a hard, that's a tongue twister. Hard to say. Uh, Cluster Fuster. Email us Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. You can collect your Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. And uh, we'll get you hooked up with that. Hustler's away. He's got the hoodies on lock and key. I'll have to contact him uh, to get those. But yes, yeah, send an email. We'll get your contact information. And as we wind it down, Wade Wilkin and Greg Freeze in the final two and the fire bed coming through. Is it going to take him out or will they get an? Oh, Greg Freeze. Neither of them. Finish a bit of a bloodbath at the end here. That's how it works at the Temple of Steve. And uh, yes, we'll scroll down. We know if there's any side bets here with Bozeman and Ross Ransby. I don't even know if I saw them in there. Oh, there's Bozeman at 63rd. I think he might have taken it this week. I think his employees are going to get to go home early now because he won going down the list. Oh, there's Ross in 90. Uh, shout out to a couple of people. I didn't give any shout outs. I see Frosty in there. Candace. What's going on? Derek Schmidt. Bobby B. Uh, so many familiar names. There's Teddy Allen in 99th. Uh, so shout out to everyone. Thanks for going in. In the WST Marble Race Friday. We'll be back doing another one next Friday. For the Marble Race. For the WST hoodie. I do need to say we haven't really acknowledged it. Um, as I scroll down the list, uh, three years ago today, we had the sad news that a number of uh, employees at our company that we previously worked for were getting laid off, and the 
sports station uh, for the home of Winnipeg Sports was no longer. Uh, it was certainly a very sad day at the time. And uh, again, the future was very unknown, but and kind of experienced a similar thing yesterday. I feel for all the employees, uh, former employees going through that and wish them all the best. But I just want to give a thank you uh, to everyone here um, who has come out and continues to come out every day. Uh, Hustler and I are so grateful that you know, we were able to start up on our own and continue talking about Winnipeg sports, continue talking about the topics you guys uh, care about every every day, or at least Monday to Friday, and you know, hopefully more as we go on. And so I'm very, very you know, grateful I'm able to continue and thankful to all the listeners who are continuing to come in here in the chat and comment, hit the like button, and following us on all the, the other social medias. So uh, it was nice to turn a negative into a positive. And, you know, I don't know if we have any celebrations planned on March 8, which will be our three-year anniversary, but it is the NHL trade deadline, so I imagine we'll do a longer show. So, um, you know, we've talked about it uh, in the past. I don't, you know, don't really need to revisit that anymore, but I guess it does deserve a mention with the news uh, that came out yesterday. Oh, Connor, that's it. Thank you for uh, hopping on today. I'm looking forward to doing this again next week when uh, I'll be filling in for Hustler, doing my best. I don't think I can replicate Hustler, Hustler but man, big. So Saturday's game, you think it's, is it a must win for the Jets uh, Saturday? Must, Are must we in must win, win no. territory? Okay, it's that's not a must win, I don't think. But if they lose, <laughs> then Wednesday is a must win hey, against the Sharks. I think that's actually. Sure. I think it's a can't lose on Wednesday. It's, I don't think we're a oh, must win, uh, but but yes, if they lose Saturday to Pittsburgh, where I think they'll be in a good yeah. spot with Pittsburgh play tonight against Minnesota, and we know how Minnesota they play. They play tough, and we'll see how it goes Saturday. But can't wait for that. Can't wait for the Super Bowl. Do you have a pick? For the Super Bowl, the guy wearing the 49ers I mean, t-shirt. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've got my Niners. Um, they're, they're short favorites, but I like the points, too. Like I said, every day this week, I've gotten more and more confident. Um, but hey, I just sat here this whole program, and everyone you asked picked the Chiefs. So maybe, maybe not. Um, but hopefully, they all get proven wrong. Lee's prediction kind of scares me because he didn't just think the Chiefs were going to squeak by on a game-winning field goal. He said like 31 to 23 or something. Like that's that that scares me a little bit. But obviously, I'm going to ride with my team. I got the Niners. Um, and yeah, looking forward to Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. I will be here, win or lose, rain or shine. Is, uh, <laughs> there will be Winnipeg Sports to talk about. So I hope I'm extremely happy on Monday's program. But we will see. Um, Regardless, there'll be Jets to talk about. There'll be Jets weekly, Monday morning, so lots coming mm-hmm. out. But yeah, excited excited for next week because Huss won't be here and I will be filling in on uh, at least three of the days. All right. Well, appreciate everyone who's chimed in on the chat. Thank you for uh, for hopping on. And yeah, that's it for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Oh, my God. for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.